This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. we got a packed show, lots to get to, tons of hockey talk as the Winnipeg Jets open up their five-game road trip with an absolute dud in Montreal. Practice today in Toronto with a number of different line combinations. Murata Tesh is in TO at practice and is going to join us later on in the program to break down everything that has happened today. And we're looking forward to having Rennie himself, Sean Reynolds, jump on coming up first up today to uh, get his thoughts on last night's game and a look ahead to tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll also head to T.O. David Pagnotta of the fourth period is going to jump on. Uh, eventful night in the National Hockey League for unfortunate reasons last night. We'll get to that with Dave as well as find out what he's hearing as far as the most aggressive teams he expects to see going into the NHL trade deadline. So great to have everyone with us. Should be a real fun show. Thanks to everyone listening to us on the podcast. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, make sure to do that and give us a sub, a sub when you get there. And for everyone that's with us at YouTube, if you haven't checked out the audio version of WST, it's available every day right after we finish the show in time for your drive home. If you're not able to catch us on YouTube, Search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, just before we get going and get Remo in here, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including our great partners at Princess Auto, Coolbet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, Nick and Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we will get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp a little bit later on as well. Michael Remus, what the heck was that last night? What what was what? I already I already flushed it. I forgot about it. It's gone. Wipe that was uh, it's like men in black. It. They flash the thing. <laughs> forgot about it. Um, I heard a couple of people said you just got to flush that one, and as they said on Twitter last night, that my friend was a double flusher. That was uh, <laughs> that was quite the turd that the Jets served up in Montreal last night. I'll say this: we got some great comments during the game for anyone who tuned into the show. Uh, Matt Libel came on voicing some concerns about the Jets, and there are a lot of people saying, "No, I don't like this negativity. Uh, I don't like this attitude from Libel." I don't know. Some people were thinking about him in our mentions yesterday. So shout out to, uh, I think, Purell Jam This fan. is all on Matt. Oh, <laughs> this guy, this guy's account. I hope Libel is happy. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, think people... I don't even know where to start with that one last night. Um, you know, it wasn't a particularly good first period at all, but the Jets, you know, were, I'd say, fortunate probably to get out of it uh, at 0-0. Had a power play to start the second period. Great goal by Kyle Connor. The team's up one nothing, and it seems like all right. You know, listen, the Montreal Canadiens aren't good to begin with. They were incredibly depleted last night. This was a game that was there for the taking for the Winnipeg Jets. That hockey team did not look anything resembling the team that manhandled the Pittsburgh Penguins for sixty minutes on Friday night, Raymond. And as we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute, Bones was not pleased at all. And it was quite apparent throughout the game as things unraveled for the Winnipeg Jets. He uh, 
He was shaking up defense pairings. He was moving players up and down the lineup, including some pretty significant players like Mark Shifley. Um, and overall, uh, it was just uh, a real dud from the Winnipeg Jets and disappointing considering how well they've played as of late and the results that they've been getting. Uh, one can only hope that this allows them to really focus in today at practice and uh, get ready for what will be a real big test tomorrow in the Toronto Maple Leafs who uh, beat the Panthers last night in OT. Yeah, I don't know if they were looking ahead. And I got to say, I got to take an L because I was t looking at the um, Canadians lineup yesterday and I was like, who are some of the guys? And I swear, um, Raphael Harvey Pinard was making his debut. Hus. I swear Dan Robertson was saying his name like every every 10 seconds. Um, Jordan Harris on the on the defense. 17 minutes and I mentioned him like I didn't know I wasn't familiar with uh, some of these guys of Montreal but hey they made the Jets uh, look pretty weak yesterday and I don't know if it was carryover from Sunday Hust where they kind of slept walk through the game against Arizona and Hellbuck bailed them out I don't know if they thought the same thing uh, was going to happen tonight or they were looking ahead to Thursday's game which I know they're going to bring it uh, in Toronto it's always a rough game or Hus, or it could be you know, look, we have this is a narrative. No more friends and family games for the Jets, Hus. We had Minnesota. You know, everyone's from there. Dylan Sandberg had a big crowd, you know. Um, Absolute disaster De in the Yeah, Twin disaster. Cities. Detroit last week. Hellback homecoming and second grade teachers there. Dinner at Andrew Cops the night before. Uh, did not go well. At least for the, the game was lost in the first, like, five minutes. Last night, you know, Dubois, he's got talking about 16 friends and family. I don't know if anyone from his bank was there again. Um, he, had the, <laughs> he had the whole charity press conference on Monday. The suite was packed. He just wasn't in it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm nervous. So you are kind of nervous, Huss. You know, I know Shifley and Cole Perfetti are from the area excited to play against the Leafs. Um, will the friends and family curse be in effect? On Thursday, we will tune in tomorrow and find out. You know what, Jets? All of your tickets have been revoked. New team policy. No family. Yeah. No friends. <laughs> no contact. Until the season is over right now. Obviously, we're joking. But uh, hopefully, uh, that trip to Southern Ontario will bring out a lot better from the Winnipeg Jets than what we saw last night. Um, yeah, listen, it was a rough night for a lot of players. Um, I be hard pressed, I think, to really go down the lineup and say that there was any guy that really stood out in a positive way. Um, you know, there were some issues certainly at forward. There were some issues on the blue line. Philly Hanel had a real rough game, which is, you know, unfortunate considering the bad string of luck he had last week when he was going to be getting into the lineup and then was sick, was recalled to sent to the moose as an emergency um gap with Johnson Harkins coming up. And then he gets a chance to go in last night. And um, listen, he certainly wasn't the only one. Um, but, you know, when you're a young man that's trying to make a statement to the coaching staff that um, you're better than the guys that have been playing and have been succeeding in the lineup, um, it was tough. It was a tough night for uh, for Billy. So we'll, we'll get to all of that with Sean Reynolds coming up and looking forward to hearing from Marat a little later on. Um, but you know what, we'll just before we hear from Bones, uh, practice, it does seem like, is underway right now. And the lines, very, very shaken up today. Uh, and I'm not sure whether this is an indicator of what we're going to see tomorrow uh, in Toronto, but I think it very likely could be. Um, and it involves Blake Wheeler now playing with Connor and Dubois 
Nikolai Ehlers, along with Shifley and Barron, and Cole Perfetti skating with Adam Lowry and Saku Menelainen, Sam Gagne, uh, and Carson Kuhlman on the wings with Kevin Stenland and uh, Axel Janssen Fjallby, the extra forward. It sounds like Dylan Sandberg is sick. Um, so they're back to some more familiar pairings in Morrissey DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Hanelis Schmidt, Capobianco, and Logan Stanley participating in practice as well. Um, so a very different look in practice, but you know, similar to the, uh, I think that was has to be Rick Bonus's number one blender game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. They were trying trying everything. Uh, and with everyone healthy, uh, I don't think we had seen the line blender come out like it did yesterday. And you know, we mentioned family game. Shout out to uh, Morgan and uh, Justin Barron's parents in the crowd rocking the uh, opposite opposite hat. So it was a family affair. Yeah, uh, mom took off the Jets lid after yeah. watching what happened in the second period. <laughs> <laughs> well, those Habs fans, they're they're crazy. Uh, they're crazy. Uh, so we know that from uh, playoffs a couple of years ago. And so, I, yeah, I'm curious if these stick or what we're going to see tomorrow. Um, interesting look at uh, Perfetti here with Lowry and Manalainen. You get Barron, Shafley, and Ehlers. Um, as you said, Connor Dubois with Wheeler. Now maybe spread the wealth a bit, try to get some offense. And uh, Sam Gagne back with uh, Axel, uh, the healthy scratch. And I do wonder if they're just going to rotate, you know, those four guys or... Manalainen included that. We'll have to wait and see. And yeah, Vili Hainala, he's going to get another look. A rough game yesterday. Has we'll have to see about Dylan Sandberg uh, tomorrow. But this is and, today's and listen, practice. And I know Vili, Vili's in a spot where maybe his gaffes or giveaways are highlighted a little bit more. Certainly that's the case of being a defenseman. But man, there were so many turnovers and so many giveaways. And, um, you know, it just was, as I said, it was so far away from the team that we saw play Friday night in Pittsburgh. Um, and I know it's a long season. There are some ups and downs. Uh, I think it's important that everyone not get too close to the ledge after one game. Um, but you certainly hope that this will make the Winnipeg Jets a much more focused and ready team for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, tomorrow night. Uh, let's hear a little bit of what Coach Bones had to say after that stinker in Montreal last night. Uh, we'll just start right at the top, Remo, if you can. And um, Bones, in a lot of ways, stating the obvious, uh, the Winnipeg Jets did not deserve to win that hockey game last night. Well, we weren't skating. We had, our, our legs weren't going. Our compete wasn't good. Our execution was way off. So there's very few games that uh, we're going to walk out of a rink and say we didn't deserve to win. That's certain about tonight. We didn't deserve to win that. We were, paid, we were behind them all night. Made it very easy for them to play their game. So... Uh, when the compete isn't there and the legs isn't there and the execution isn't there, then you look bad. We look bad. Uh, love the honesty and frankness from Bonus. Uh, <laughs> no legs, no compete, no execution. That usually ends up with a uh, tick in the loss column, and uh, that was certainly the case last night in Montreal, Reem. Yeah, I mean, he came out and said it. They just didn't have it. And look, big picture. I mean, what, what are the 18-2 in their last 10 now? Still top of the central. But when you have, you know, non-believers like Matt Leibel come on the show yesterday, this just adds fuel. Men of faith. This just adds fuel to his fire. And there's Reg Dunlop in chat saying, Matt, Matt was right. And oh, no, we getting... <laughs> You know, after a loss, you get all, all the comments. Uh, Stonewall Davis says, Villy is Niku Jr. there. I said it. So, 
Um, this is a tough one. I think they're going to rebound. They always play tough in Toronto. Uh, that's going to be a big, a big rivalry game. But hey, look, the Jets still tied atop the uh, Western Conference uh, Central Division with Dallas, fifty-nine points. Played the same number of games. But Minnesota, they've got a win streak because they're right on the heels, uh, fifty-four points, three-game win streak in Nashville, uh, win streak Colorado, two-game win streak. So the Jets will have to keep pace with everyone who seems to be playing well at this time. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the Jets had the opportunity, had they won that game, to get to 9-1 and one in their last 10, which would have been tops in the National Hockey League. Um, but if you want to look at the bright side, they're still 8-2 and two in their last 10, the best record in the NHL, but you do make a great point. I mean, other teams in the Central Division are sort of getting their act together. The Minnesota Wilds have been really strong as of late. They've won three in a row, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. And even teams like the Colorado Avalanche, when you look at their last 10 games, three and six, have won their last couple and are making a push right now. So, um, listen, you can only hope that this is a blip. There's been a few that will happen to even the best teams throughout the National Hockey League season. Um, but I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to have something to prove tomorrow night. And I will say this, Reem, if you told me in advance that the Jets were going to stink one night and have a great game the other I'll take have a great game in Toronto against the Leafs on Thursday night. So that certainly will be the focus of the hockey club. It'll be interesting to hear from Marat a little bit later on, who's at practice um, for a little bit of uh, an update on what's happening out in T.O. as the team comes off of yesterday and prepares for a real big test in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Bones kind of expanded on his thoughts. and um, A quote that he had earlier on, which was very fitting, um, they made it easy for the Montreal Canadiens to play their game. Well, it was the first 10 minutes of that uh, first period we were on our heels. The penalty kill got us going. We did a really good job. And then we started to play our game. And then the power play goal. But after that, those goals we gave them were... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we made it... We made it... Listen, they, they played really well. Give them a lot of credit. Um, we made it very easy for them to play their game. All right, so uh, some more from Bones. And uh, he also... Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, stated the obvious, but uh, just basically flat out admitted that that was uh, that was a bad one from his hockey club last night. Well, we had a bad game, and now we'll we'll move on and we'll get ready for Thursday. Guys didn't seem happy. Obviously, not happy. No, they're not happy. Listen, that's a proud group in there. We wouldn't be where we are today without that being a very proud group. There, they know they were off tonight. Um, now we're going to be we're going to be challenged Thursday in Toronto, and we we better answer the bell. Well, and uh, and of course, you know, we heard a very disappointed Rick Bonus after the game in Buffalo, where Connor Hellebuck essentially stole two points last Thursday, um, and it was a big two points because of the loss they took in Detroit earlier in the week, uh, and then they played by far their best game in recent memory against the Penguins on Friday night. And that is the bounce back that Bones will be looking for tomorrow. Uh, but Bones did address a question as to, you know, whether they took a Montreal Canadiens team that had many top players out of the lineup and, you know, was a, a bottom-tier team to begin with in the National Hockey League if they took the Habs lightly last night. We were just off. I don't think they're... I'm not going to... You're not going to look at the... 
Montreal, I mean, they, 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 they got a lot of speed over there. So regardless who we play, we want to play our hockey. We're in a fight for first place. We want to, we want to take great pride in that. But, and I've said this before, if you want to fight for that, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And the responsibility is making sure you're ready to play every night, regardless where, regardless who. So uh, we didn't do that tonight. Think of Coleman, you know hyperbolic but do you see this as an opportunity for you know kicking the pants on a, on a big road trip here well we listen we've been playing really well so we had a bad game tonight and we just we have to recover quickly by thursday yeah right back at it today as i said just practicing as we speak right now Murata tesh in toronto will join us a little later on on wst all right sean reynolds is going to join us but i do want to play one clip from josh morrissey who um, you know, was standing up there facing the music after a really disappointing game for his hockey club. And um, here's clip number five, Reem, if you can get it. Uh, this is just Josh Morrissey uh, with his synopsis of a disappointing night at the office for the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, you're not good enough. Uh, they played well. They uh, kind of played to their strengths and what we were expecting. They're a fast team. And, you know, it's a really fast uh, rank. The boards are, are fast. They, they use that to their advantage. So, um I thought we, uh, you know, just didn't have our skating legs, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, need need to uh, better execute than we did. Play a lot of quality hockey of late. He wins your last nine, a tight game against Arizona. What do you account for, kind of a, a sluggish start for you guys? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, they come out hot at home, and uh, um, <clears throat> we have to do a better job of our starts. Similar start on our last road trip uh, in Detroit, so. Um, you know, I think overall we just, uh, our start wasn't good enough and, um, you know, we, we managed to get the one. But uh, after that, I think uh, we just couldn't really get anything going. All right, there's Josh Morrissey speaking on last night's loss to the Montreal Canadiens postgame in Montreal. Uh, we'll break it down and hit some of the other big stories in hockey coming up in just a second with Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Folks, I know it's beautiful outside right now. There's tons of people skating on the river, uh, but we know that it is getting cold. Unfortunately, I think that might be coming next week. Uh, and that is the time when there's like 50 people inside Manitoba Battery who've left getting their battery way too long. Don't be that guy calling your buddies for a boost or realizing that you're not getting to where you need to be. Be a little proactive. Uh, it's January in Winnipeg. You need to have a battery that's going to get you through the winter. If you're wondering if your battery will, pop on down and see Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery on Logan Avenue. They'll give you a quick battery test and let you know where you're at. And listen, if you know that that time is coming for your battery, you're far better off to do it, say, this week as opposed to next week when we get into some pretty frigid temperatures and your car isn't starting. And listen, not only will you be shopping local and supporting a great local business, but you're going to get the best price in town on batteries and you're going to save some time, money and gas because Manitoba Battery will deliver that thing to you citywide same day if you order by 3 o'clock p.m. It's real simple. Give Donnie and the gang a call. They'll get you set up and deliver that to you wherever you need. Or you can also go online to manitobabattery.com. Check out what you need, get that order in, and wait for it to show up at your door. Manitoba Battery, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, a great local business keeping you on the road throughout the winter. Um, a huge thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace for their support of the Unsung Hero program. Had some great nominations lately, but we're always looking for more. 
Let us know about that person in your life that's making a difference in the community through volunteerism, charity work, or just quietly going about helping others that need it. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Our unsung hero for January will get an autographed jersey from Jetstar defenseman Josh uh, Morrissey. And Winnipeg, uh, Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that nominated our unsung hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. So everybody wins. Let us know about your unsung hero with Wallace and Wallace. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Uh, our friends at Consolidated Supply, ready for the upcoming melt. We're already thinking about how great that backyard is going to look. If you're getting ready for some plans for the summer, talk to Spicy Joe and the gang and get ready to be all over it as soon as you can when to talk and talking about your backyard. If you've got irrigation needs, consolidated supply as you covered. If you're looking to do landscaping or maybe add in some artificial turf or that dream putting green, they've got you there as well. And while you're thinking about adding to the backyard, think about a spa, hot tub, or maybe an outdoor kitchen. They've got it all. Pop down and see them. 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or check them out online. And everything that Consolidated Supply has going at cte.ca. And uh, hey, you already know that our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are the place with the best prices on natural and organic supplements and groceries. And Winnipeg's best selection of local products. But with everybody battling colds and sore throats right now, in addition to some great immune products, they've also got something I think everybody can use. Cold Flex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. It is, uh, it's, it's a dream product. Some would say a miracle product. And every time I mention it, everyone's all over in the chat. You can pick Cold Flex Oregano Spray as well as some great non-alcoholic beverages if you're doing a sober January, all at Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg, lo Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And, of course, you can check them out online at myvita.ca. All right, let's welcome in my guy, Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, to go over what was an ugly night at the office for the Winnipeg Jet, but right back at it today getting ready for the Leafs tomorrow. Renny, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Huss? Man, you're sounding great. That new mic is absolutely mint. Yes, the dulcet it's, tones of the it, new microphone. Well, it's <laughs> a, it's added a lot to the K&R show, and it's great to have you on. Uh, listen, let's just get right to it. Um, you were in Pittsburgh on Friday. Yeah. Along with Ken, which, by the way, was a great night. I mean, I mentioned this on the show, but seeing uh, the two of you guys banging out on a hockey night in Canada was really cool. Ken getting a great opportunity, and... Pretty awesome, awesome addition to KNR afterwards. We knew how much that meant to Ken um, oh, yeah. to get that chance. So uh, we just wanted to mention that and congratulate you guys on that. That being said, was that the same hockey team last night in Montreal that you guys saw in Pittsburgh last Friday? It certainly didn't look like it on the ice. Yeah, um, it's the same hockey team without any of the commitment to the things that made them so successful uh, on that Friday uh, edition of Hockey Night in Canada. Um, and I think that's that's the interesting part of this whole thing, Huss, is, is we take a look and, and they showed us in that moment what they can be. And I think after the, um, there were some audio issues on the post-game interview I did with uh, Mark Shifley, but Mark Shifley had said, like, maybe that's the best game we've played all year. That's how we want to play. That's how their coach wants them to play. Um, and, and the thing that 
I would walk away and be concerned about is the last two games, not just last night, but the last uh, game before that against the Arizona Coyotes. Neither of those are at all representative of the game that we know that they can play, that they had just been playing and dropped off of. So um, this is uh, uh, the one thing that I've always really appreciated about Rick Bonus this season is after games like that, there's no excuses. There's no let's burn the tape on that one and move on. There's none of that. There's just this need to show him that, listen, like I love that line. There's a responsibility to being a first place team in this league, right? And the the responsibility is that you have to come prepared every night. And they did not do that. No doubt. There's I don't think there's anyone uh who's watching this show right now in Jets fandom who looks at that and thinks the Winnipeg Jets came ready to play on that night, uh, ready to play the style of game that Rick Bonus wants them to play. One thing that I think uh, always bodes well for the Jets is they have a coach now who is on them at every point, on them, on them, on them, when they don't reach the very high expectations that he's playing for themselves. You know, it's just like parenting. Kids that you parent have a tendency to meet the expectations you set for them. Rick Bonus has, has set extremely high expectations for the Winnipeg Jets this year. We knew this before the season started when they put a decal of the Stanley Cup on their doors heading out to, onto the ice at Canada Life Center. He was saying something right off the bat. You are not a team that missed the playoffs like last year. You are a team that can achieve great things. Uh, and that's what that Jets team we know will be getting a healthy dose of today is their head coach saying you're better than what you showed and you have a responsibility to yourselves, to the fans, to this organization to show that in the next game. Um, so I would be looking out for a bounce back game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think everyone will be looking for that. And certainly if you're a Jets fan, hoping we'll see a much better club that um, will be ready for what's you know, a real challenge in the Toronto Maple Leafs who've had a great season so far through the regular season. You know, it. I, I mean, I'm right with you. I mean, we talk about it all the time. The frankness and the honesty that Rick Bonus has delivered to the team and to the fans, I think has been appreciated. I think it's been a big, realize, a, a big reason why this team, for the most part, Sean, has played the way it has throughout this season. And a little credit where credit is due. I know the Montreal Canadiens aren't very good this year. For the most part, They've handled teams well below them in the standings very well so far this season. And they've also done a good job of bouncing back after ugly performances like last night and getting back to their game quickly. Uh, They will need to do that tomorrow to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But what was interesting about last night's game, it just seemed like it was so off the rails that... um, Rick Bonus really cranked up the blender. And that has not been something we've seen... Certainly to the extent we saw last night, Sean, it seemed like almost everyone had a different look at some point in last night's game. Yeah, well, it's your job as the coach to spark something on a night when there's no spark. Uh, I, I think I see this that game last night is a little bit different than, than a lot of the people. I, I think last night's game, there's a lot of games this year where the Jets have played parts of games. Definitely they've started a lot of games, how they looked last night, uh, and they found a way to get out of it. Connor Hellbuck has, uh, you know, done the escape routine and helped bail them out of a number of games. Uh, Sometimes their power play has bailed them out of games. Sometimes their penalty kill has bailed them out of games. We've we've heard this before about this Jets team finding a way to win. They are definitely that team. I think there's a lot of games. 
throughout this season that the Jets have won, that they wouldn't be the winners of the deserve to win a meter. I think that they'd probably be up near the top of the league in the teams that seem to find a way to win games that they probably shouldn't have won or they didn't have their best efforts in. Last night to me just looks like one of those games where they get caught, right? Like they don't get a good start. They've got a team that's all over them. And still somehow, because this is what this Jets team does, they manage in the first period to get absolutely pummeled without starting the game and yet come out of it scoring the first goal and looking like, yeah, it's going to be one of these things where the other team just gets frustrated and breaks, which is what the Jets do to a lot of teams. Credit to where it's due for the Montreal Canadiens last night. They didn't get frustrated they just kept coming and then all of a sudden they were up two two to one and what i saw in that game last night was to me it was a bit of a replay of that detroit game a little while ago where the jets fell down a little bit and then they started pushing back and when they started rolling it just looked like and they were detroit was hanging on for dear life um and they kind of set up a wall and they were just collapsing around their goaltender and just creating a shell and saying you know it's like the same thing as a guy uh getting into a you know a a, a street brawl or something like that and you get three or four really good punches in early and you bloody the other guy and then you turtle and just hope you can survive the next little while that's what they did in that game give the canadians credit they didn't turtle so when the jets started trying to push up ice the canadians pushed back got the puck out and then created more offense going down the other way so i i think i i think personally that people are mistaking this for the jets just not entirely showing up and not giving enough credit for the jets playing a very similar game to what they've been playing quite often this year and getting away with it. And the Montreal Canadiens coming with a better game plan than teams that just curled up into that ball and hope to survive, saying, no, no, we're we're just going to keep punching back. That's how we're going to play this. We'll keep punching back. And uh, so, so I, I think it would be dangerous to just look at that game and say, this is an off night for the Jets. This is unlike what we've seen from them this season. Huge swaths of that game. We have seen replayed time and time and time again by the Jets this season, but they've got away with it. I contend you won't get away with that closer to playoffs, and you definitely won't get away with that in the playoffs. So I think if they had a coach, and we've seen that, I think we saw that a lot from Paul Maurice, had a coach that these kind of moments happened, and he shrugged it off and said it was no big deal, maybe even worse, celebrated their ability to get themselves out of a game where they didn't put an honest effort in. The one thing the Jets have going for them now is they've got a coach that is not going to sit back and say, yeah, you know what, we're okay with getting away with it. Rick Bonus is not. I interviewed him before that Friday game against Pittsburgh. And they'd won, I think, six of seven games at that time. And I said to him, you guys have won six of seven. You've got plenty of time to get your game right for the playoffs. Why do I sense this crazy sense of urgency from you to get back to the blueprint? And he'd said, like, I am not okay with the way that this team is playing. I'm not okay with the mistakes they're making. It's my job to be on top of them to correct those mistakes because he did say that kind of game that we were playing, and this was before Pittsburgh, is not the kind of game that is going to win you games in the playoffs. They've got a coach right now who can see, even when things look like they're going good in the standings and even when they're winning games, that there's something in there that's not good enough for the playoffs, and you've got a coach that's at least committed to turning that around and getting it right by the time we get into April. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, that conversation was coming off the Buffalo game where um, they were. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, I'll make a lot of comparisons from that Buffalo game to last night. I mean, yeah. that game, Connor Hellebuck was absolutely freaking brilliant and I think made up for an ugly one for his standards. That was a big difference in the game against the Detroit Red Wings the Tuesday prior. 
But Sean, I mean, when things aren't going well for the Winnipeg Jets, like that game last week and last night, the Jets are very often authors of their own demise. And I'm sort yes. of with you. I'll give credit to the, the Montreal Canadiens for the way they continue to skate. But listen, they were taking advantage of a ton of mistakes, turnovers, and just downright disastrous puck management that when that creeps in, I mean, it's really hard to even find a starting point to get back in the game when you're, in fact, just doing favors for your opposition. And, man, that happened way too much last night. I think that in itself was a big part of why Rick Monas was willing to completely shuffle things up because, I mean, it wasn't one or two players that were sort of in on the gaffes. This was sort of a collective team effort when it came to handling the puck like it was a grenade with the pin pulled. Yeah, there's there's no way you're looking at that game and saying, if not for this mistake by player A and this uh, turnover by player B or this blown assignment by player C, that game could have turned out very different. It was, you know, for when you're doing a post-game show, you want to trot out all the different players and be like, this is what this person did well, this is what this person didn't do so well. It's a long you, list. You, you couldn't have that kind of show last night because there was just no, no one stood out as doing anything uh, that was overly impressive. I mean, it was, it was uh, hey, Kyle Connor, 200 goals in his career. That's a huge, huge benchmark for him to hit. Um, but when no one's going, you're just basically trying to create a spark. And uh, Rick Bonus has been pretty clear about how he does that in the past. He's not, you know, line blender to the degree that we've seen with this team in the past. He's pretty much usually sticks with things that work. And I, I, I think there's something to that, right? Like when you get players who've shown um, that they've got chemistry with each other. You want to give them a chance to figure things out. Uh, but when no one is figuring things out, uh, the, the coach, it's their job to try. And I mean, there's only so many ways as a coach that you can put your stamp on a game, but coaches can. I've always been a big believer in coaches being the big difference maker. And I think the Winnipeg Jets are the perfect example of that this year. Not a lot changed in the offseason, yet they've got a coach who's come in here in the team when they're playing the way he wants them to play, look entirely different than anything we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets in the past. So uh, in game, uh, you want to be that coach who's able to create something and and we talked about this. I talked about this earlier on. There's been times this year that Connor Hellebuck has stolen the show and won the Jets games that they didn't put their best foot forward. There's been times, you know, you'll get a score like Mark Shifley will pop up and get the job done. Kyle Connor will pop up and get the job done. I think Rick Bonus took a shot at trying to be that guy, the the unlikely savior in that game last night. Uh you, uh, the coach can only do so much, though, and the players weren't getting it done on the ice. Well, and listen, it was quite clear that he wasn't pleased with some of his top players, including a couple of the guys that you just mentioned. I mean, despite Kyle Connor's goal, I mean, he did not like, let's just say he didn't look as engaged as he has been earlier on in the season when it came to coming back into their own zone and uh, was a spectator on at least one of those goals. And I mean, you know, we're not usually used to seeing Mark Shifley playing down the lineup the way that he did last night. Um, all that being said, it's led to some pretty interesting uh, line combinations today coming out of Toronto right now. And I'm not sure if you've seen these, but Marat's there and he's going to jump on later on. But Dubois and Connor playing with Blake Wheeler, Ehlers with Shifley and Barron, and Perfetti with Lowry and Menelainen. And Kuhlman moves down to the fourth line with Kevin Stenlin and Sam Gagne. And it seems like Axel Janssen Fjallby is uh, moving in and out. But in particular, those top three lines. Um, you know, moving Perfetti off of Shifley's wing 
And I mean, the entire Shifley Wheeler Perfetti line really being spread out amongst those top three. Um, what intrigues you about that, Sean? And do you think that might be a way we see the team start or is Rick Bonus trying to see how things look maybe in practice before making bigger changes when it comes to a real tough matchup against the Leafs? No, I, I think I know exactly what what he's trying to do here. Um, and we've talked about this in the past. I've suggest I've talked about it as being this kind of snake charmer type of offense that Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley are able to create together. Right? It's not straight lines. It's kind of like and, and when it works, it's beautiful. Right? Like that last goal um, that they scored in the Arizona game, where Cole Perfetti goes behind the net, finds Mark Shifley, he throws it across to Blake Wheeler, and it's in the back of the net. Or if you think of that goal that uh, Mark Shifley scored the other night against Pittsburgh where he drives to the outside and all of a sudden does this like kind of like button hook and in it's it's like it's like a receiver running a pattern in football hus um, and then suddenly he cuts to the front of the net and Blake Wheeler's waiting for him and that kind of offense it's they're very good at doing that but it's not straight line offense and and I don't think it's the kind of offense that really get is successful in the playoffs and so the, the one thing that I've thought is interesting about how Rick Bonus split up Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley at the beginning of the year and then brought them back together. In my mind, what I thought of is Blake Wheeler has had success this year because Blake Wheeler crashes the front of the net, gets to the front of the net, uh, gets in the goalie's eyes. Most of his goals you'll see are just him in front of the net and just slapping a puck in. They're not pretty goals by any means, but he's been effective this year, and he's put up a lot of points because of that. But I was wondering if there would be this tendency between Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley to kind of revert to that kind of snake charmer type offense. And, and I do think we've seen that a little bit. And the thing about Cole Perfetti is he can play along with that kind of offense. It's magical to watch. It's so great to look at. They're so good at finding lanes and stuff like that. And it works great until you get a team that knows how to shut down those passing lanes. And then you're just a team that's trying to force pucks into passing lanes that aren't there and playing the perimeter. So what I see when you get Nick Ehlers on Mark Shifley's line is an attempt to speed Mark Shifley up to get him playing a faster, harder skating game. And throwing Morgan Barron on there is a guy who's going to go, you know, crash the net, try and get in on pucks. He's trying to speed Mark Shifley up and get him more to a north-south game that was giving him success earlier on this year. And I think putting Blake Wheeler on a line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, it's a little bit of the same thing. Kyle Connor's fast, so he's going to be getting into the zone. Pierre-Luc Dubois, for the most part this year, has just grabbed the puck and just dared anyone to try and stop him and ground to the net. And I believe if you take Mar if you take Blake Wheeler and say that snake charmer offense that you guys have been falling back into, it doesn't exist on this line anymore because Kyle because Pierre-Luc Dubois is just crashing the net. Why don't you go there? and try and capitalize off of off of the chaos that he's creating and tap some pucks in the back of the net like you've had so much success doing this year. I think it's just a way of trying to force those players into the kind of offense he thinks they are better off scoring. Um, and, and rather than asking them to do it and waiting to see if they do it, I think he's trying to force them to do it. A little bit of a tough one for Cole Perfetti. Like when I take a look at those lines, I don't see Cole Perfetti having much success on that third line. Um, 
But I mean, I, I to me, this is these lines scream. He doesn't like the kind of offense that that he's getting right now from Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, and he wants to get them playing more simple, more direct, more straight line games. Well, let's talk about Perfetti for a minute because he, uh, of course, was out had come back, was sick last Thursday, and then came back with one of his best games of the year, certainly on the score sheet, at least, with the three assists. And that was when that line was was charming the Pittsburgh Penguins, to use your yes. uh, to use your analogy. And they looked damn good doing it. And, of course, then continued with uh, the success, scoring that beautiful highlight reel goal against the Coyotes on, uh, on Sunday night. Um, but he has gone, what, 13, 14 games without a goal, oh. playing – big minutes with some pretty talented players. Um, I was interested of in this move and I'm with you. I kind of do wonder if, you know, how that looks playing along with Adam Lowry, but what do you make a Cole right now at this point in the season? And is this a young player that in some ways on some nights is sort of just hitting the wall and not quite able to get that level of consistency that maybe you get after a little bit more experience in the national hockey league? Yeah, I, I don't have any problem at all with Cole Perfetti's game. I think that he's been producing quite effectively over the last little while since he returned. I've been surprised how quickly his game has got up to speed. This is the kind of game and what the success that he's had is the kind of game that Cole Perfetti is capable at play, of playing at this time in his career. Uh, and I think it's one that is going to have him in the uh, Calder Trophy conversation. Um, you can only expect so much from a player at this point in his career. It's the same as you could... I mean, Blake Wheeler at his third year in his career was nowhere near the player that he was later in his career. And we're seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois at 25 years old, growing right before our very eyes. And there was a time where, you know, people would have thought it was insane to suggest that Kyle Connor would ever become the scorer, surpass the kind of score that Patrick Laine was. People have to grow. Like you're, I think you're getting everything that you could get out of, uh, Cole Perfetti right now until he starts learning more and who knows maybe I I'd said I don't think this works out very well for Perfetti on that line with Lowry maybe this is you know maybe it doesn't translate to points maybe it does I don't think it will but maybe what it does is it provides some of those learning lessons that allow a player like this to you know add a different dimension to their game uh him going down to the third line I don't see that uh, you know again to the point that we made before i don't see this as a punishment i see this as listen we've got we, we like you as a player we think you're a huge part of our future right now if we had a choice of getting certain players going we're better off getting blake wheeler and mark shifley going than we are getting cole perfetti going because nothing against you cole but at this stage of your career you're not able to be the difference maker that these players are i just see perfetti this as being an odd man move out and you're not going to be taking dubois and connor the way that they've played this season and mess with them i mean you they've earned the right to be able to stick together um he, it's it's a long and short of just saying I I like Cole Perfetti's game this year. They, I think you're getting what you could could hope to get out of him, but it doesn't mean that as a coach you don't still demand more and still put lessons in front of that player to try and help them grow as a player. And I think that's a bit of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, the one thing I think I've noticed and many others have too is that Cole at times over the course of the past week and a half has looked really frustrated when it comes to scoring chances <laughs> for himself. Yeah. I mean, I think back to the beautiful 
beautiful backhand that he roofed that just missed. It was a great save by Vili Husso. Um, and then last night, again, you know, early on in the game, had one. And, you know, you can see maybe some of that frustration seeping in. And, you know, in some ways, maybe the pressure and the expectations of being on that line, moving down, being with Adam Lowry, might free him up a little bit more. But I do wonder, Sean, with where Cole is, what we expect to see in a playoff series, whether it's against Dallas or Minnesota, whoever the Jets would likely play looking ahead to the playoffs at this point in the season. I do wonder if Cole Perfetti is a top six player come playoff time for the Winnipeg Jets. And obviously a big part of that equation has to do with what they do at the deadline. Yes. So, so the deadline I think has the potential to bump him out. Um, uh, although I, I also do believe that if they, if they do what I believe they would be looking to do at the trade deadline, you're essentially trying to create a top nine. Um, and I think if you take the, the right kind of swing, you should be able to do that. Uh, and if you do do that, I think it's inconsequential whether he drops out of the top six or not. I think we've seen a lot of successful teams you know, over the last couple of years in the playoffs, that when you get that kind of depth, everybody, you know, I think of the Tampa teams and the way that, uh, you know, Goodrow and Coleman and players like that played, uh, they were out as as much as anyone. Yanni Gord, another player. I mean, Yanni Gord was was huge for that team down the stretch. And those were those were always the third lines playing. So um, uh, I, 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 I don't think necessarily that he has to worry about losing his spot to someone like Morgan Barron or Saku Manalainen or something like that. Uh, I, I think that while those players, you know, the Anson Fialbis have done a great job of executing the system that uh, Rick Bonus has wanted them to execute. Um, and I think that they've been a huge reason uh, for their for the Jets' success this year because Rick Bonus's blueprint is the true star, and I think those players stick to that blueprint better than the top six players do. That said, I don't think any of those players have really stepped up and, and surprised or really put themselves in a position offensively uh, where the coach would have to consider taking a player who's capable of offense and replacing them with a player that is less capable of offense, unless you are doing it for a significant reason. And that's why I say I th see the Morgan Barron thing as just it, it, it's not to put Morgan Barron in a spot and say, OK, here we go, Morgan. We think that you're going to score like a top six player. It's that, OK, here we go, Morgan. You're going to get in. You're going to bring your pace. And that's going to bring Mark Shifley up to pace. And Mark Shifley up to pace is what gets really dangerous offensively so outside of of a pickup uh I, I don't see Cole Perfetti getting knocked out of the top six especially because the way that the Jets like to grind on their bottom six it's almost not so much that someone would fit better than Cole Perfetti in the top six but I just don't know how well Cole Perfetti would fit in the bottom six if the bottom six continues to be representative of a grinding style that Adam Lowry's line has brought and uh, Stenland's line has brought no no I think it's a great point well you know while we talk about you know i mean listen again we're talking six seven weeks away but the deadline um put your gm hat on for a minute and if you were kevin shovel day off right now what are you targeting going into the uh, deadline and and how aggressive are you willing to be as far as trading young players assets previous first round picks interested in your take on that sean 
Um, okay. I think they, I, I think they should be taking big swings. Uh, I think they should be taking a big swing and trying to get the kind of forward that would allow you to do exactly what I was saying, take and maybe spread things out a little bit and give yourself a top nine, uh, so, so that you would have Adam Lowry's fourth line rolling out and being that, you know, wet blanket that absolutely smothers the best lines of the other teams. And then if you had three lines that could go out and produce and score, um, you'd be, I think, extremely, extremely dangerous up front. I think that player should be a player that can grind. So like a Bo Horvat type, I'm still, and, and listen, when I'm saying this, this is this is all massive wish list stuff that would require a, a lot of times surgery in order to make it work financially and giving up assets to make it work financially. But I'm still a big believer that Jonathan Tays on a team like this could take a line and make it the best line on the Jets team for many nights in the playoffs if you brought in a guy like that. So I think if you've got a Bo Horvat type player, a Jonathan Taze type player that you can showcase and build a third line around, you would really lock things in uh, offensively. What do you think in- the cost for Taves would be? And and what would you be willing? Because I'm with you. I mean, I think the intangibles, his experience, what he can do in the face-off circle, and the fact that you know, he has returned to a much more productive player after you know some issues the last couple of years. I mean, I think there's a fit. I do wonder at his ticket, the fact that he's got a no trade, what the cost would be to get him out of Chicago. It's massive. It's massive. And let's make no bones about it. Like it would involve uh, realistic prospects that that uh, Chicago would think are can't miss prospects. It would be first round picks. Um, and it would also be, uh, you know, futures that because what you would need to do is you would need Chicago to eat some of that salary if you were going to make this work and you have to pay in prospects to have that happen as well. So it would be massive. And to get back to the point or what you were asking before, um, I do think the Jets should do it because I think, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw what Nick Kiprios was saying about Pierre-Luc Dubois, but his belief is entirely, entirely that Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone. If he's gone uh, as a general manager, you've got two choices. You can take one more swing next year with this group before you know losing that player for nothing and treating him like a rental and, and potentially losing Connor Hellebuck and potentially losing Mark Shifley uh or you know you've got two or you have to move him this summer and see what happens with that either way I'm a big believer Huss that since 2018 the Jets were capable of taking a run a deep run in the playoffs and potentially winning a Stanley cup. And they messed that up. I think the culture went sour. I think that's what is, is being dealt with this season by Rick bonus, but this team was very capable and it never lived, lived up to its capabilities. And now you have two more years to try and live up to those capabilities. There is no tomorrow with this. You have to take a big swing. And if you truly believe in this group, I think what it means is you're going to be bargaining your future for the present. And that's that's what it takes to make a big swing and to, to round this out. So I think you need that big guy up front. I still think you want a top four, if not a top two defenseman to really kind of make yourself bulletproof. And on top of that, add a depth veteran defenseman who is probably going to sit in the press box for most nights. But if something goes wrong, is capable of stepping in and handling the rigors of the playoffs and also handling the rigors of not being able to play every night. I think they need those three pieces to be bulletproof heading into the playoffs. And I think if if I were Kevin Sheveldale and I'm wearing the GM hat and I see what I have with this group, that's my take. 
I've believed in this group for this long. I'm going to get you, you. You can't succeed forever. And you really definitely can't take big swings without mortgaging some of the future. And so that's the position I'd be in. If I believed in this group and Kevin Sheveldayoff has always maintained that he does, then you have to believe that these next two years are your last great chance at, at, turning things over for the group that you always thought was special. And then you have to give them everything you possibly can. Yeah. I, I listen, I'm, I'm certainly with you on this year. Um, and I mean, I know people talk about a two year window, but I, I sort of believe it's, it's this year right now, because as you mentioned, I mean, they need to figure out whether they can sign Pierre-Luc Dubois this off season. And if not, I mean, that that's not a player that you can just have walk for nothing. When you think about the assets that they gave up, you don't and think I'm gonna so. Put, no, I, I don't. A, a, a player like that, listen, Mark Shifley, if Shifley you know, played out the end and at 31 was moving on, I think he could look at what he's done for this hockey club and the time that he's been with the club and realize that that was worthwhile. You traded Patrick Laine, your number two overall pick, to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. That is an asset that um, you can't walk let walk away for nothing um, at the end of another season. Hey, listen, if you win a couple cups or you win a cup, then... I guess everything's on the table, but where does that leave your franchise going forward? And I'm going to say the same thing about Connor Hellebuck. I mean, those two guys, I think, are the assets that the Winnipeg Jets need to get the most out of right now, give them the best chance to win, which hopefully gives you the best chance to keep them. But if that's not the case, um, I mean, man, you, you want to talk about putting all your eggs in a basket. Where does that leave the team in 18 months if those guys aren't members of the Winnipeg Jets and you don't have anything coming back? So you you can foresee... Especially a, if you're trading a bunch of your picks and your prospects this year agreed. to really make a run. So you can foresee a future in which the Jets, after this season, move on from both Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, absolutely. I mean, mm. it, it is certainly a possibility. I mean, I think it, w- it would almost be negligent to the future of the team to not consider that. But I mean, I think the first things first, those are the, those are the priorities for the hockey club right now to get signed. Agreed. I mean, they have to exhaust all of that because I think those are your foundational players. If you can keep them for the next half dozen, seven years. But if that's not the case, um, I think you're almost forced into into being somewhat creative because, as I said, listen, Brad Treleving, you know, turned made the chicken salad out of you know what this yeah. summer, but uh, easier said than done. And you know, you lose a player, especially like Dubois, and how important he's been. I mean, I think we've talked about this before and what he's growing into. Um, that would be really, really tough for the team because you don't just replace a player like that by bringing up a guy that has been in the system or with the Moose or has played a couple years in junior college hockey. Uh, it's just too difficult. I, I Hellebuck, I mean, is a whole other story as well with that position. So Hellebuck, I, I can see that. Although I just don't, I don't, I don't know that anyone in Winnipeg wants to foresee a future of what the Winnipeg Jets look like without Hellebuck bailing them out as often he, as he does. And I could see a situation where, okay, next year, if you if you went into this offseason and found out that maybe Connor Hellebuck is not going to stick with you long term and you're not comfortable taking that through the year, well, we're going to put him on the trade market. He's got a great contract for what he does. I mean, if you were the Edmonton Oilers and you're in the situation where you've got the team that you have right now and haven't been able to have the success, I think you'd go out and you would do whatever it took to uh, here. 
take a take a look at what we have in the cupboard and just start ticking off names. We'll send them your way and we'll take one year of Connor Hellebuck backstopping Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all this team. If you can make it work financially for us, then here you go. Here, here is everything. Back up the Brinks truck. I just think that the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation is tricky and like, Look, we know that the Jets explored the idea of moving um, m- moving Blake Wheeler in this offseason. I do, do so believe that they they explored the idea of moving Mark Shifley as well. And the decision that was made by Kevin Sheveldayoff in the end is I just don't like it. I don't like what our return is. And unless I can get the return I like, I'd rather just go forward with these guys and see what we can do with them here. That's why I think moving Pierre-Luc Dubois is actually extremely difficult because the trouble with Pierre-Luc Dubois is the perception that's out there is that he's just waiting to get to Montreal. And there's only one year of team control after this. And if I'm a team, if If I'm L.A., if I'm Nashville, if I'm Florida, whoever I am, if I take a look and say, okay, I'm going to back up the Brinks truck for the Winnipeg Jets and give them a bunch of stuff for this player that I'm going to take for a year, and then he's just going to walk to free agency and go to the Montreal Canadiens after Every year at the deadline, never mind the the full season of service. I mean, it's... Right, but but it's I don't think it's as easy. I don't think it's as easy to move that player because that play you need to know that that guy's the finishing piece to throw everything that you want to get for for the Winnipeg Jets. So here's the trade-off: the Winnipeg Jets have to say next year, is it worth taking one more run at the cup and having a really good team and reinstilling the faith, getting the fans back like they've been working to do this year and give the Winnipeg Jets fans two full solid seasons of great hockey and hope. Is it worth that? Or is it worth taking a little bit less than we could have expected because this asset is not a full asset because anyone trading for him other than the Montreal Canadiens knows they may lose him and the Canadians don't have to put bank back up the Brinks truck to trade him because maybe they just wait a year and have him walk to them for free anyway. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say is if I'm, if I'm LA, if I'm a Florida team, if I'm a good team in a in a, a spot that is known for players wanting to play in, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I mean, if you come in and are part of a good team, and I think that's another part of the reason why I certainly haven't closed the door on Dubois staying around here. He's on a very good hockey team. He seems to love his teammates. He's playing with one of the elite players in the league and having his best personal success ever. So I think it's it's an easy narrative to say, oh, he's for sure gone nothing's for sure and there's a lot of time until that happens that being said Kevin Sheveldayoff with this particular situation in my opinion doesn't have the year and a half I think you got to figure that out beforehand it'll be good hey very quickly we just got a minute left but um I'm gonna ask David Pagnotta about this coming up in a second but uh what were your thoughts when you heard about what happened in Philly last night without with uh, Ivan Provorov well, I mean, so I know a lot of people are leaning on the idea of, uh, you know, free speech and people doing what they want and you can't punish people for, you know, standing up for their beliefs or whatever. Um, people ha- people have different beliefs, but what matters here is what the beliefs of the Philadelphia Flyers are. And if their beliefs do not align with that player, it is their responsibility to, to adjust accordingly. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, listen, People from the LGBTQ community have been standing up for what they believe in for a long time. They've been standing up to violence, to threats. Uh, It's happening in the States right now. Nightclubs are getting shot out. Uh, People are showing up to uh, events and protesting. They go through that to stand up for their beliefs. 
Ivan Provorov has every right to stand up for his beliefs, but if he has the convictions to stand up for his beliefs and it costs him a position with the Philadelphia Flyers, well, then if he believes that much in it and is willing to walk away from millions of dollars to do it, he can go ahead and do that. So Ivan Provorov made his move. I don't agree with it one bit. The, the important part here, I think, is how the league responds to this and how the Philadelphia Flyers respond to this. The Philadelphia Flyers, the whole point of doing that is to show to their fan base and to the LGBTQ members of that fan base that this is a safe space, that they're appreciated and that they're loved. And when you have someone on your team who's saying, yeah, I will not get that message across, you got to take care of your own house. Uh, so my, and I think the NHL has to do the same thing here. I mean, Brian Burke is a guy behind this. This means a ton to, I can't wait to hear what he thinks of this whole situation. I don't know if he's spoken on this yet, but I mean, the league is trying to get across that if you can play, you can play and that diversity and all this kind of stuff matters. Well, when diversity is challenged, this is when we find out what you really think. This is a moment where I think the Philadelphia Flyers need to act and say, this is what we believe. And because we are the employer and we are the boss, we set the tone and this is how we're dealing with this. They didn't do that last night. They didn't deal with it at all. Uh, and I think it needs to be dealt with. Yeah, no, listen, I think that's well said. And I mean, it's just such an unbelievable hill to die on on this. I mean, they're not wrapping him in a bow and put them on a putting them on a float at the Pride Parade. It's yeah. a freaking warm up jersey with different colored numbers. I mean, yeah. uh, it is beyond me. But um, anyways, we're going to get into that with Pagnotta. I'm sure Murat will have a take on that as well. Ren, keep up the great work. Hopefully, it's a much better atmosphere on KNR tomorrow night after the Jets take on the Maple Leafs. No doubt. Thanks for having me, Hudson. Say hi to Dave for me. Appreciate it. There's Sean Reynolds, uh, of course, at SN Sean Reynolds on Twitter. Check him out on Sportsnet and make sure to tune into KNR after Winnipeg Jets games. All right, we are going to talk to Dave Pagnotta about what happened in Philly, everything else going around the National Hockey League, and his thoughts on the upcoming trade deadline. Before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. And I did mention we have a pretty glorious week right now of weather. It is a great time to get out on the ODR or even better, get out on the skating trail down at the Forks and in downtown Winnipeg. And if you need skates and you're thinking, well, I don't want to go out and get them. I mean, hockey skates are six, seven hundred bucks. Royal Sports has some great, in, far less expensive options for casual skaters that might want to take advantage of what winter has to offer. It's always been the sports superstore in town for pushing 40 years, family owned by our friends, the Hasbeaks. Um, but they really do have some great options for skaters of all skill levels and all ages. So pop down while you're there. And of course, if you're already a hockey player, you know Royal has the best hockey selection and department in the city at 750 Pemina Highway. And while you're there, check out their massive selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Bomber gear, NFL, just in time for the final eight. Major League Baseball, NBA, and much, much more. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, got to give a shout out to our pal Andrew over at uh, F Apparel. We know a lot of people looking to uh, maybe upgrade the wardrobe for 2023 custom suits beginning at just $400, the best men's accessories. They all have it there. Uh, but if you are having a wedding party or in one coming up this year, don't waste your money. Rent and tuxes 15% off for your entire order. When you get your full wedding party outfitted in shirt suits and ties, 
And if you've got a high school grad in the family that wants to get that first nice suit as they graduate from high school, you'll also get a free custom shirt and tie with any grad suit purchase, $150 in savings. Find out more, F Apparel. That's EPHapparel.com uh, or pop down and see them down at uh, 190 Smith Street. And uh, hey, another great night to get together at your favorite Boston pizza with the fellows or the gang for uh, the big game. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow with a bunch of my buddies out at BP Charleswood. Big game, big screen, big sound. Nowhere better to watch it than your local Boston pizza. Crushing those famous Boston's wings, maybe a brute, and definitely a few ice-cold schooners. And, hey, if you're staying home for the game, check out their game day deals and all the great additions to the Boston Pizza menu and order online at bostonpizza.com. As I mentioned, Murata Tesh in Toronto will join us post-Jets practice in a few minutes. But right now, let's welcome in Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period. Dave, what's going on? Great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thick of things, middle of the season. I'm loving it. All stars coming up, and then the silly season. So buckle up. Well, <laughs> fun, funny you bring up the word silly because I was a little silly last night. I uh, don't envy people in PR departments in the National Hockey League. Mm. I've got to ask you right off the bat. I mean, this was a a weird story. We heard Ivan Provorov yeah. was in the lineup, then he wasn't out for warm up. There was all sorts of speculation that maybe he was going to be dealt. And then we find out why. Um, I mean, I know you're well connected in the National Hockey League. What are you hearing from around the league? How is this? Uh, how is this being handled and reacted to around um, the other members of the National Hockey League that you know are trying to be more inclusive and promote mm-hmm. sort of things to welcome in new hockey fans as opposed to turn them away? Right. A lot of um, I think confusion is probably at the top of the list um, because if he's you know, he, he came out program saying he, he respects, you know, other people's beliefs um, and, and all that. Um, and he's going to stay true to his own. Fine. But if you respect someone's belief, there's nothing wrong. There shouldn't be anything wrong with going out um, and supporting that respect. Uh, you know, beyond that, if you have your person, whatever it may be, and whatever topic and, and, you know, you don't need to necessarily coward behind the religious aspect of it. You can say, I, this is, this is what I believe in, in, in any setting, this is what I believe, but I respect this group. I'll go out and go from there. And there's a lot of confusion as to why that wasn't handled a little bit better. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially on social media, well, why did he play and, and all of that stuff? I mean, ultimately that's, that's the flyers decision there, but across the league, just a lot of head scratching and confusion going, well, this probably could have been handled a little bit better. And if it is such a big deal, um, then why did he play? And you probably could have swept it under the rug in that regard if, if they really wanted to, but clearly they wanted to make sure that this was out and open. Um, and you know, Provorov said one, one or two things about it and then kind of just, backed off and, and used religion as his, you know, quote unquote reasoning or, or quote unquote excuse, I should say. Um, but yeah, just overall, just some confusion as to how this was ultimately handled. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, you've got a situation where, um, you know, the team had a night going on. That was part of the uniform pregame. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly you're not asking anyone to believe in anything, 
particular, right. you're our, I mean, I think about it here. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets have done the same thing for the Indigenous Night for the Wasack evening, the right. uh, Filipino Heritage Night. Um, it, it seems like it's just a simple and little thing and such a weird hill to die on. And then, I mean, the other guy that I think, you know, questions need to be asked of is Torts. Because, of yeah. course, Torts is a guy who's famously said that he'd bench a guy for kneeling for the anthem. And mm -hmm. God knows we don't want to get into that conversation again. I think that's in the <laughs> rearview mirror. Um, yeah, but it totally. is interesting. I mean, this does seem like, you know, just insubordination that in a lot of other cases might be treated differently. And um, man, right. it just seems like it's a big mess coming out of last night. Right. And it, it sounds like there wasn't much planning. I mean, you know, it, this should have been known well in advance. This should have been known the day before morning skate worst case. And from there, they should have created some type of plan on how they were going to handle it and how they would word themselves. Like Torts, yeah, now he's got a little more explaining to do. He probably would have preferred to word things a little bit differently um, if he had more preparation to to do so. And I'm not giving him a, a, a buy by any stretch, but I just think from a, from a whole situational perspective, I think the ball was dropped here a little bit um, in, in how this could have been handled. And again, whether it's dealing with this matter or another community or, or what have you, um, you know, these types of things need to be properly thought out, regardless of what a person's belief is, you've got to be able to navigate through it in the best way you can. They didn't do that last night in Philly or yesterday altogether. Um, and, and, you know, this is now a, a hot topic, certainly for good reason, um, but it could have been, you know, certainly handled, handled differently. I, I, I'm just, I'm equally confused as to why it wasn't. Yeah, um, Dave, as far as the, um, you know, where we go from here, I mean, obviously there'd be going to be plenty of conversations uh, in local markets and around yeah. the Pride Night. And, you know, in some ways, ironically, it might give even more attention to what the National Hockey League is doing and trying to doing. And right. know, maybe that'll be a good thing. Um, just from a hockey perspective, though, I mean, we've heard Ivan Provorov's name mentioned in trade talks mm -hmm. right now. Um is it safe to say that he is more radioactive now uh, and probably much harder to deal? I, I can't imagine. Certainly, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets were, you know, mentioned as a team that, you know, maybe Provorov would end up in. There's some connections to him and the market and some of the people within the organization. Right. Um, I can't imagine how that would go over with a good portion of the fan base if all of a sudden that's the guy you're picking up at the deadline. Like, I don't think this was good for the Flyers. No, it certainly won't help. Um, from that perspective, because you've got to now take in that PR angle into bringing this particular player in. I think his days in Philly are going to be numbered soon enough, but they were taking calls on him in the summer and at least entertaining that notion. And then things obviously really escalated um, this season. Uh, yeah, now now it's it's another matter that you have to deal with with respect to not only explaining the acquisition and, and what you gave up and just all the trade and hockey-related material that goes with it, but now you've got to deal with what he did on Pride Night and how he uh, how he responds. Now, again, maybe he comes out with another statement just to further clarify his position. Um, and if he does have respect for it and and can articulate that in a much better fashion, I think that would be a plus. Um, you know, people are entitled to like and dislike whatever they want, I guess. But just being able to to offer respect. Um, the appropriate amount of respect and the genuine amount of respect for this situation, for others that are in you know different communities, different cultures and things like that. You, you've got to, you've got to be able to get that right messaging across. I, I think it would be advantageous for all those parties 
for the Flyers and for Provorov to get on that pretty quickly. I'm not on that PR staff. I'm not trying to, I'm not his agent. I'm not trying to direct him in any way, but I think it would be beneficial from that side of things. Cause I think there is a little bit of clarity that still needs to be given in, in that respect with his side of things. And, you know, you mentioned respect. Well, you need to amplify that um, regardless of, of what that is. But from a trade perspective, yeah, it, it gets tougher, um, certainly. And from the team trying to acquire the player, you've got to justify the off ice almost as much as the on ice. Um, some teams have done it uh, in different settings. Um, but this one, like Carolina, get going with Tony D'Angelo, who's coincidentally with the Flyers now. Oh, and Tony um, D was out there last night. Right. Just, right. <laughs> you can put certain things aside and, and if you want to show that type of respect, go for it. We know where you stand overall, but it doesn't have to be a big deal about it. If you're at least showing those signs of respect and that's, you know, that's, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's just the way it is. A warm up Jersey. I, I just, uh, again, I, I know. I don't cannot believe we got to that point with this. It just, uh, doesn't make any sense. Anyways, there's a lot of uh, great stuff going on around the national hockey league, including, yeah. And what a time for me to talk to you. I was hoping to be pumping our chest. The Jets, winners of 9 to 10, and the number one team in the West, they're still tied. But, man, they came off a dud last night. That being said, I know you were at the uh, at the arena watching the Panthers and Leafs. So, uh, yeah. lucky for you, you didn't see the Jets' performance last night. Let's erase that. And, I mean, going into this game against the Leafs, um, I'd yeah. imagine more and more people are actually paying attention to what this hockey club's achieved so far this season. Oh, without question. What with David Chief, Connor Hellebuck, his performance this season, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, you're probably looking at Hellebuck and, and Jake Ottinger as the leading candidates in the Vesna category. Um, Josh Morrissey, the tremendous offseason, or excuse me, the tremendous season he's having uh, this year, putting out uh, he's over 40 assists, 41 assists now on the season. Um, like, th- there are a lot of positive. Mark Shifley, t- t- you know, taken off with, with the whole situation that happened with Wheeler and the end removing the C from his chest. And I think Shife was at the media tour, NHL media tour when it happened. He didn't know that happened yet. Um, just all of that, the Ehlers getting hurt early. And a lot of people were wondering, myself included, how this team was going to perform. And could they be a wild card contender? Well, everything's going right for this team. The guys are stepping up. They're getting good contributions. Cole Perfetti's, you know, uh, uh, solidifying his position in the top six and so on. So, the, the, the depth of this team is really starting to come out. Ehlers now healthy again is, is contributing. So this is, this is a weird, a really good, well-rounded team from top to bottom. And they should be getting more attention, certainly um, on the national scale than, than they have to this point, you know, battling for uh, first in the central with Dallas. I think it's going to be a really exciting game against the Toronto team that didn't really have their foot on the gas the first part of the game last night against the Florida Panthers and then decided to kind of wake up. Now, I don't know if it was because they got their act together or because Florida kind of took their foot off the gas a little. Could have been a combination of both there. Um, but Thursday's matchup between the Jets and the Leafs is definitely going to be entertaining. Well, and, and the, the one guy we should mention is Rick Bonus, who's sort of been the catalyst yeah, of this all. Absolutely. And I know you speak with a lot of the broadcasters, so I'm making the pitch to you that more <laughs> people need to wake up and be considering Rick Bonus for well, the job that he's done in the coach of the year. And listen, I know yeah. Boston's been incredible, and I've used this analogy before on the program, but 
the Jets were such a mess at the end of last season, and they didn't have massive personnel changes. He yeah. really has been the guy that started it all. And I liken it. The story we've talked, Rick Bonus walked into a burning building, saved everyone <laughs> in the building, put the burn out, and basically took care of the fire damage. And Jim Montgomery went into a beautifully furnished mansion and tidied up a little bit. I mean, the degree right. of what these guys were faced with wasn't in the same ballpark and uh, hopefully more and more people are going to recognize Rick bonus um, for the job that he's done. And I absolutely think even if he doesn't win it, he should be at least a finalist uh, again, based on what we've seen so far through yeah. just a little bit over half of a season. Well, that, and, and, and taking into account again, going back to the, um, the captaincy issue and having the to first deal with movie that. He did before training camp even started. I mean, that right. set the tone. Right. And everyone was going, uh-oh, how's this team going to respond to this? And then you got the Ehlers injury and, and the confusion there and not making wholesale, not necessarily wholesale, but significant um, alterations to the lineup in the offseason. How's this team really going to perform? And Bose has done a hell of a job in getting this team on the right track and motivating his guys to perform well, him along with his coaching staff, in order to do that, to get Shifley rolling, to get Josh Morrissey really exposing his talents um, more and and performing at the pace in which he's he's performing now over a point of game and, and so on and so on and Hellebuck in that back on track like he's managed to navigate this team and its pieces in the right direction together I mean Tuesday's game aside because for some reason they don't like to play the halves very well um, but that aside uh, this team this season has been consistent. And I mean, there's no real sign that they're going to just suddenly fall off going now into the second half of the season. Now, I mean, a lot of anticipation for the game tomorrow night between uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Maple Leafs. It's the one visit there. These teams have had some um, some feisty games over the past yeah. couple of seasons. Um, we, of course, focus in on the Jets daily here. The Leafs are fascinating in that almost nothing they do in the regular season matters at this point to most of the fan base. It's all about the playoffs. And yep. I mean, we can pretty much put tickets on sale right now for a Leafs lightning round one battle. We'll just find out who's got home ice advantage. It's a, it's a strange predicament. They're in halfway through the season. It is. I mean, already effectively knowing, I mean, unless, un, unless the bottom just totally drops out on one of these two teams and Florida just all of a sudden gets its stuff together. Um, yeah, it's, it's Leafs lightning. And then the likelihood of Boston in the second round, like they already know the, the path that they're going to take once we hit April. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And who's going to fight for home ice and do these teams really care? It's probably one seven anyway, again. So, yeah. you know, like the, the, there's a lot of talent. I, I'm curious to see where they add both of these teams. Do, do, do the bolts ahead of the deadline look to make an addition to their bottom six and kind of get that depth piece on defense. Reports Luke Shen is, is on their radar again. You know, he's a guy, a six, seven guy to come in, five, six, seven guy um, with experience in that market on that team. Can, you know, he help them and just add that stability to that, to that roster along with whatever top six. And from Toronto's side, where are they going to add? Like they could use a second line uh, winger, but they could use some help in the bottom six. They definitely need to address their defense. The performance yesterday from Matt Murray, four goals on eight shots, was not good at all. And he's looked a little shaky lately, but Ilya Samsonov has really stepped up. And he kind of was a big reason why they were able to get back in the game last night. I imagine he gets the start on Thursday. 
Um, and he plays pretty well at home. Like the Leafs overall, this is the other thing. The Leafs overall, they don't play exciting hockey at home. I, I've been to most of their home games. And you know, before we went on air, I think I, I rifled off two. Uh, last night's game was exciting. And then a few weeks ago against St. Louis, everything else has been kind of a dud. Now, not just from their perspective, they kind of make the other team, the visiting team fall into that trap. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go Thursday against the Jets that are, you know, they got more weapons and are a little more explosive. And now you're facing a goaltender that, you know, was on track to be a finalist for the Vesna. So Toronto, they, they got a lot of questions. I still think despite how well they play, um, there's still some deficiencies in this lineup that I know they'd like to improve upon. It's just a matter of how can they pull it off? So the Tampa Toronto dynamic for the first round is likely, um, but I'm, I'm reserving my overall evaluation until we get past the trade deadline. Dave Pagliano for the fourth period joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you were at the game last night. I mean, our old pal Paul Maurice was there with the Florida Panthers, and wow, <laughs> Pomo was playing the hits both before the yep. game and afterwards. Uh, it was almost like a greatest hits record of um, <laughs> some of his, uh, the ways he looks at things after losses. Uh, but I have to ask you about that club and what you're hearing about them. I mean, listen, in your, they, in your mind, are they the most disappointing team this year, considering what they did last year and their roster right now? And I mean, listen, they're still behind a few teams in the playoff race. They've played more games than everyone else in that race. How in danger are they of missing the playoffs now that we're into the second half of the season? Yeah, well, the, the danger is real. Um, and based and last night, by the way, a lot like some of the comments on Paul's side were kind of justified. The officiate, uh, officiating was awful across the board. It was it was a really poorly officiated game. And I sit in the press box, and Leafs management's right above me, and Panthers management's a little bit to my right, and they were both going off like hmm. crazy. Both both of them were pissed off and both acknowledged that that was a bad call for their team and a bad call for the other team. Uh, it was just a badly, a poorly officiated game. Um, in terms of the Panthers overall, I give them a little benefit of the doubt, just a tiny, tiny one. Because um, Alex Barkov missed a considerable amount of time. He hasn't been there all that. He was there last night, certainly, and he's been back for a little while and he performed well last night. Um, but that has contributed to where they are right now in the standings that plus the fact that the goaltending has not been steady um, and inconsistent and the loss of Mackenzie Weger on that back end. Um, they didn't replace that. They, they, that caliber of player um, from a defensive side of things. So, you know, you can make a lot of changes and cosmetic changes and all that stuff to the roster, you know, losing out on Huberto. Well, Matthew Kachuk has been fantastic. So you don't really, there's no loss there. The loss is the guys that have come out of the lineup, not having Anthony Duclair this season so far. He might come back next week. He might come back right after the all-star break. Um, but not having him in the lineup has augmented their, their top nine overall. Um, and then of course, no Barkov. So, you know, you look at this team and you go, okay, they, they have been dealt eh, some injuries that have impacted them. Goaltending needs to be better. But that defense overall, Montour's having a good offensive season. Ekblad needs to be a little bit better. Um, you know, Forsling that they brought in has been solid. But defensively, they just need to be better. So I think they're on a bit of or will be on a bit of a consistent upswing with a more um, healthy lineup. But I'm just wondering if it's too little too late. Because like you said, they got too many. And I'm not even worried about Buffalo and Detroit, quite frankly. I'm worried about the Metro. 
Like there's going to be a really good team in the Metro that's going to miss the postseason. The Islanders, the, the Caps, the Penguins. One of those teams, by the looks of things, is going to be on the outside looking in. So Florida not only has to worry about, you know, Detroit and Buffalo to a certain extent, they got to worry about two more teams if they want to get into the postseason. And they're two really good teams, and one of them is going to miss as, uh, as well. So it's tough sledding ahead for this team. I'm not counting them out just yet. It's getting close, though. Uh, Dave, a lot of talk around the league is going to heat up around the upcoming trade deadline. And we've got a piece of the first period on uh, Jim Neal and what he and the Dallas Stars might be thinking of doing. I mean, it's just a broad question. What are the hot spots right now and the teams that you believe might be the most aggressive as we get closer to uh, that date? Yeah, I think there are going to be a few. I think the Rangers want to be. Um, I think Colorado will be. Um, uh, Dallas would like to be not to a not huge splash, but they want to add to their top nine, more so the middle six, to add in another winger to that group. Um, you know, I spoke to Jim Neal over the weekend, and he acknowledged that there is a lot of activity picking up. And he is hearing, he called them marquee names that are out there. Uh, so we've heard of some. I'm curious to see who the other ones are. He hasn't told me yet, so um, working on that. But, um, yeah, there are going to be some interesting – Interesting teams that are going to be looking to make those types of additions. You know, Vegas quietly poking around on Bo Horvat. Carolina is looking around to see what their options are, if they could add to their top six um, as well, not just at the center position, but perhaps on the wing as well. There are going to be a lot of teams that are looking to make some ads to this group or to their respective groups. So those are teams that I'm certainly going to look at. Edmonton, definitely. They, I mean, there's no question they want to add to their D. They want to add something up front. Puyarvi's out there, uh, uh, Fogel's out there, and so on. So, there, yeah, there are teams. Some are going to be patient, like Calgary, for example. Right now, they want to be a little bit more patient. They want to see how they're going to perform in these next few weeks here before Brad Living and his staff decide, okay, here's where we need to add, uh, or, or here's who we could potentially add, I should say. Teams are at a point now where they're going through their pro and amateur scouting meetings and identifying – the holes on their roster if they have them or where they'd like to improve on. Um, and, and with the most part, most teams going through that and having already done it, now it's a matter of pinpointing your options. So those talks will definitely pick up in these teams. Yeah, they're going to look to add. There's, there's no question. Toronto too, um, you know, just to see. You know, Nil, when I asked him, he made a good point. Um, and something that kind of gets overlooked um, to a certain extent. When your team plays well, and they're playing hard for you, and they're climbing the standings and everything, you want to be in a position to help them. And if you can bring in outside help to do that, I mean, that's part of your job as a GM. But you've also got to be cognizant of the room and the fit. It's not just getting the best player. It's getting the guy who's going to fit the best within your locker room and on the ice. So that's thing. those are two other elements that have to be considered when you're trying to make an acquisition ahead of the deadline. Yeah, no doubt about that. Just on their way out, I've got to ask you about Winnipeg. And one name that continues to come up for, I think, a number of reasons. Obviously, there's the hometown connection, but Jonathan Taves. And we heard from Taves earlier this week saying that, I mean, basically in as many words, saying it might be time to embrace moving on for both him personally and where the team is at right now. I think we know that Jonathan Taves is back playing quite well, would add a lot to a team looking to make noise in the playoffs. But at his ticket which is over 10 million dollars there's a number of teams that are probably out right off the bat because of that 
what do you think that asking price from Chicago would be? Like if the Jets wanted to make that happen and Taves was down with coming back to Winnipeg, um, what sort of uh, assets would have to go to Chicago in your mind to make that happen? Well, the thing that has to be factored into to him and with Patrick Kane, um, if he ends up moving, you're not taking the full cap it. You're not taking the full 10 and a half. So best case scenario, you're taking half. And maybe it's, well, best case from Chicago, if you're just dealing with them, it's half. Could you bring in a third party? Are they going to take half of the half? So you end up with a quarter of that, of that figure. Um, if an Anaheim or an Arizona or a Buffalo are willing to retain, which they are, um, but now you have to sweeten the pot in order for that to happen. So you're looking at the initial belief um, because Taves and Kane and their agent are going to meet with uh, Kyle Davidson, the GM of the Blackhawks within the next week or so. I think it's going to be at some point before all-star, at least that's the current plan. Um, And then we'll have a much clearer picture as to where he would, where either of these guys would go if they're willing to go. Um, But with, you know, Taves, the price tag isn't as high from the word around the league as, as a Patrick Kane. You're looking at a first-round pick or an equivalent to a first-round pick plus another asset. Then you've got to figure out how the money situation is going to work if you're getting a team, a third party involved in all of that stuff. Kane seems to be three-pronged. First-round pick, top prospect, other asset. Again, then figuring out the money. Um, But Taves seems to be first pick or equivalent in value along with an additional asset. And the equivalent in value thing is really interesting because I think – Montreal and Kent Hughes, for the most part, have really shifted the mindset when they made some of their deals recently, or going back to last season as well, um, where, okay, we feel that this player, I mean, first-round pick value, but if we get a, a prospect that we view in that same realm, who's a little further along, well, okay, we'll, we'll go in that direction, which is how they got Barron from Colorado in the Lekkonen trade, uh, and then with moving to Foley to Calgary and getting a pick and, and a top prospect that they really liked and so on, and Sherratt to Florida at the time. So that's changed the mindset of some GMs, but in this particular case, first-round pick, equivalent value, and another asset, and then potentially figuring out how the dollars are all going to work. Dave, great chat. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll keep on checking out the fourth period. Hopefully we can do this again, getting closer to the trade deadline. I know you'll be all over it. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks so much. All right, great stuff with uh, Dave Pagnotta. Folks in the chat, let's try and uh let's try and maintain composure here and just try and be respectful of everybody please that is what we ask most of you have been that way and uh we certainly appreciate it all right we got uh marat atesh coming up in just a couple minutes interesting interesting look at practice today in toronto and uh did just see that dylan sandberg may have had the hardest shot as the jets tweeted up but Stenny smashed the glass um some work to do at the rink in Etobicoke where the Jets practice today after Stanley blasted one through. Um, that being said, we'll get to all of that with Marat in just a couple of minutes. I have to give a big thanks to our friends over at Princess Auto. Some very exciting things coming up in 2023 for Princess Auto and the local sports scene with their support of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and of course, some of our top curling teams, including Team Reed Carruthers and Team Jennifer Jones. Uh, and of course, they're great sponsors of ours. We appreciate it so much. And Princess Auto, you all know, 
is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. I've been mentioning one of the easiest and best things you can do for yourself in 2023 is to drink more water. And listen, when it comes to water products and services, if you've uh, been around in Manitoba for any length of time, you know Culligan has been the experts. Family owned for over 65 years here in the city, serving Winnipeg and Manitoba with everything you could possibly need, including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and so much more, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs are, Culligan has you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 6945180, or check out all their products and services online at drinkculligan.com. And a big cheers to our friends over at Canadian Club. If you are a whiskey drinker, you know Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey is Canadian Club, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the gang here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. And a couple great deals on right now. I know you Winnipeggers like deals. Uh, your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, lowest price all year long on Canadian Club Reserve 12-year as well as a new product from our friends at Beam Suntory, the new Rifle Rye, on at a deep discount as well. Check out the display for both CC 12-year reserve and Rifle Rye, your next stop at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Out to T.O. we go and welcome in Marotta Tesh, fresh off of uh, an ugly one last night in Montreal and an interesting practice. Marat, what's up? How are your travels? Travels are going well. Had the token flight hiccups. One flight split into two redirected, but made it to practice in time to, to get all the details for you. Well, what about the gory details from last night? Uh, yikes. I mean, listen, they played very well for most of the season. Uh, the record speaks for itself. But what a dud last night from the visitors. Yeah, it was a dud. It, it absolutely was. And there are times when the Jets will play well and lose. And, you know, I'll point to the process. And there'll be times when they play poorly and win. And we can talk about all that. This is a situation where the Winnipeg Jets played poorly for most of that game. And in some really significant ways that they're usually good at that burned them. They gave up so much space in the middle of the ice. Forwards weren't coming back. Defensemen, when they were presented with with the rush chances Montreal was creating, just carving the Jets through the neutral zone, well, the defensemen backed way, way off of that pressure, giving up tons of gap, giving up tons of ice, and Montreal burned them. It was easy entries for the Canadians all night long. Uh, the goals are what they are. Uh, you know, we can get into the the, the minutia of each situation, but it was too much free ice, and for me, that was a bit of a you know. I don't want to say effort, but something close to that. The execution, certainly Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor were were critical of the team and, and their own play for that. It was a disconnected game. It was a bad one. It was it was a, it was junk. It was a throw out it throw it out sort of game. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. That being said, I mean, and to Rick Bonus's credit, we kind of talked about this with Rennie a little earlier. Um, you know, Bones doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he was pretty clear that he thought they stunk last night. So they were not very good and. Um, it wasn't just one or two guys that had bad games. I mean, it was really a collective. And, you know, he said that they weren't skating, and th and that was true. I mean, at times, like, 
you know, they just weren't getting up to the level that we've come accustomed to the Winnipeg Jets and combining that, Marat, with some of the more egregious turnovers and puck management we've seen was, frankly, a recipe for disaster. Even against a depleted Montreal Canadiens team, this is still the National Hockey League, and you can't play like that and expect to win games. Absolutely not. You can't. And the Canadiens roster still is, you know, it's mostly filled with water bugs. Quick players who, you know, may not be first liners on a lot of teams, but they have energy, they have heart, they have the the dedication to to make those plays through the neutral zone and to, to attack. Evgeny Dadanov uh, is on one right now. He's been benched and had all sorts of issues, uh, you know, establishing himself in Montreal, but he's going. Kirby Dak, um, phenomenal game from him. Yeah. Uh, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, still dangerous, dangerous players. And, you know, Winnipeg couldn't keep up with that pace, which is something that for a team at the top of the West, as they were going into the day, versus a team as depleted as Montreal, that's that's unacceptable. That's a, a real, real mistake and missed opportunity by the Jets. Uh, and it was evident in all three zones. And I'm glad that Rick Bonus said as much. I'm, I'm glad that they call things what they are in Winnipeg this year. Now, um, the one thing, and I guess this is sort of a good transition into practice. I mean, we've been talking about the lines that you tweeted out, which were kind of all over the place. That was... I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing a game that I can't recall, but certainly seemed like that was the largest scale usage of Blender that we've seen in a game so far this season. It seemed like everybody got shaken up at one point, and I think that spoke to the way that the Winnipeg Jets were playing. But it was interesting to see how different things look today at practice. Uh, tell us what you saw and uh, what you thought. Yeah, I mean, it was clear the Blender was out right, uh, right from the get-go. I mean, once they got into drills... I mean, you had Connor with Dubois. Okay, that we've seen before. Blake Wheeler's going to be on that wing. You got Barron with Shifley and Ehlers, which, you know, okay. So in a way, they've swapped, uh, you know, Ehlers and Wheeler. But now Perfetti's on the third line with Lowry and Manalainen. So the idea is, I think, you know, in addition to mixing things up, and look, Rick Bonus was not happy last night. And, of course, he was going to come in with some changes and something to kind of um, – I guess, make people uncomfortable in a positive sense. But also, I think that what he wants is a little bit more of that dependability in that top six. And, um, you know, Cole Perfetti being the youngest one of that group gets pushed out of a top six uh, role, playing alongside Adam Lowry. And you know what that means to me? I know that we're focused on, like, the moment we're in and getting ready for Toronto. The moment that that, the, the thing that makes me think is that if Winnipeg could upgrade somewhere in a best-case scenario with the trade deadline, maybe middle six forward with some veteran savvy that pushes Perfetti out of that line when he's not producing and lets him play there when he is producing so the Jets don't have to count on, on a player with his relative inexperience in that spot. You know what? It's a great point, and it was something that I thought as well. And, and listen, I mean... Uh... We're going to be spending a lot of time on potential trade targets and who could fit. There's always already been a few you know, individuals that fit that exact role that you just mentioned. And when I think about what a first-round matchup could look like for the Winnipeg Jets with where they're at right now, playing Dallas, playing the Minnesota Wild, I do wonder where Cole Perfetti fits into the lineup if the team is fully healthy once we get to the playoffs, depending on what comes in. And this could be a little bit of a... I don't want to say a, 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 a look into the future, but 
this is a player that, you know, may be put into some different situations that he's been so far. And the other thing, Marat, and I'm not sure if you've noticed this too, it does look like the lack of goal scoring over the last, what has he gone, 13 or 14 games without a goal, um, starting to frustrate a young man that has had so much success everywhere that he's played so far. There's been a few moments back, I mentioning earlier in the show, the Detroit game, uh, as well as last night, where you're seeing the fact that the puck hasn't gone in, maybe getting to the young man a little bit. And honestly, this might be good to maybe take off some personal pressure and change things up a little bit, at least in the short term. Yeah, I think for a young player like Perfetti, who's as passionate as he is, who wants to win, who wants to produce, who wants to be somebody that they count on already, because that's been the kind of player he's been at every level, maybe there's an element of, you know, not letting the highs get too high, not letting the lows get too low. That is, you know, just sensible for a player as young as he is. I, I think that that makes sense to be sure. But, you know, I also go back to training camp. The guy misses a shot in training camp and you can tell, like, he wants to score every time. He wants to, he's one of those in terms of just being a gamer. Um, but I agree with you. There is a bit of frustration. And I think that, I think that there's, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, a real sense that you want to be able to to count on him if he's going, if that line, like it has at times, isn't overpassing, if it is, you know, taking the puck to the net at all the right times, they want to be able to elevate him and take advantage of that. This isn't third line forever, fourth line, and then all of, all of a sudden he's in the press box. That's not the route that he's in, but they want to be able to alleviate some of that pressure and um, and be able to move him back and forth. The other thing I'll say, you know, pushing against those big teams, playoff teams, the physical ones especially, um, if everybody else is going, Cole Perfetti can be a rookie who is great some nights and good some nights and all of that sort of stuff. But on a night like last night, maybe he stands out to a coach like Rick Bonus because everyone else was also not going. And, you know, they all have long, long track records and more veteran status and all of those sorts of things. If you know, if Dubois and Shifley and all through their list aren't producing and well, then Perfetti is, you know, you want somebody you can count on in that spot, I think. Cole was, um, was far from the only player that didn't have a great game last night. I mean, it was top to bottom essentially, but it's an interesting comparison with another young player in the lineup in Vili who, you know, unlike, many of the regulars that have the, maybe the luxury of having a bad game and knowing that they're going to be in the lineup the next day. Um, you know, he right now is, you know, battling to prove to himself that he's better than the other guys and should be in. Um, listen, it was quite clear that he had a real rough night last night. Where do you think that leaves him going into tomorrow and, you know, the upcoming stretch of games on this road trip? Um, because I, I mean, I think we're seeing like we talk about pressure for for for, for uh, I would say there's more pressure on Villy and probably put on by himself, knowing the opportunity that's here for him um, that might not be there. It can't be guaranteed even in a game or in a week because of what we've seen so far and how crowded that blue line's been. Yeah, I agree with you. The pressure is high on Villy Hanela. And I think that he knows that. And I think he's always been a guy that feels that. And you can see it in his game sometimes. When the, when the leash has been a bit short, you see some of the best parts of his game go out. And certainly he's been in the lineup, out of the lineup, all of that sort of stuff. Well, now he has a really difficult game, um, you know, last night in Montreal, where he's not 100% to blame for those goals against. 
there are breakdowns that set him up to be in bad positions, but from those positions, he doesn't help. And he certainly, in some cases, makes things a lot worse on those plays. So that's got to hurt. But you go to practice today, and one of the things that may buy him time to redeem himself is that Dylan Sandberg wasn't on the ice. I believe he's sick right now, probably dealing with the flu that everybody has dealt with so far. Um, and that might mean that despite the assumption that, okay, well, Sandberg's going to go right back in, Hanela comes out, he wasn't good enough, he may get a chance to redeem himself against Toronto tomorrow night if Sandberg can't go. Well, and I'll say this, he is far from the only one that I'm sure would like to redeem themselves after what happened last night in Montreal. Um, that being said, I'd love to see him get another chance. Because, and, and you know what, I think that's something much like we've seen, you know, mistakes earlier, throwing the young player right back out there, not sitting them on the bench like other coaches might do for an extended period of time. Um, it might be the best thing for the player and the team as well to give that opportunity. That being said, man, whoever's playing defense tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets better get ready because the home team tomorrow night has some serious offensive firepower. And if they're not way better than they were last night, it could be ugly. Absolutely. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs are amongst the best teams in the whole league at generating chances from the middle of the ice. They have different looks in the neutral zone. Sometimes they stretch past, sometimes they don't. They have a couple of different ways that they attack. And if you have situations like, Let's say what Ville Hainala faced where, you know, Brendan Dillon eliminates Kirby Dak on the boards, but Dak gets the puck into the middle of the ice. Now Hainala's defending a, you know, a two-on-one with numbers against himself. Hainala gives up a ton of ice in that situation. All of a sudden, you know, problems build and compound and compound. Well, if that's the sort of um, situation that Hainala or other defensemen find themselves in without help from the forwards, and all of a sudden um, they're forced to give up that ice, I mean, 4-1's probably not the half of it, you know, when you have the quality of the Maple Leafs finishers and speedsters at the same time. So, yeah, that's a fact. If they don't if they don't ramp up the back pressure, if they don't ramp up the defense being aggressive at the line and really tighten things up, Toronto will, will absolutely burn them. Um, but I will say, you know, just the view from practice today, the pace was back. And uh, hopefully that for the Jets' sake, that's a good step towards tomorrow. But the pace was back. There were hard laps between drills. The touches were quick. They looked effective. It looked more like the hockey team that we've seen for most of the season than what we saw last night. Well, and you know what? I mean, listen, we know how much hockey this team's played over the last six, seven weeks and how few and far between these practices have been. Um, and this might have been the perfect time to get things together. Um, what was the atmosphere like around it? How did things start? Um, did you catch anything of uh, Bones's message to the club? Uh, had he improved his mood at all since uh, he spoke to you all last night in uh, Montreal? Well, you know what? I, I, I love when Bones gets dry because, he, you know, you can tell that, you know, he acknowledges the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that sort of stuff. Even if he doesn't want to tee off on it at any given moment, I think that there's a recognition there and I, I kind of get a kick out of it. Um, I would say that the tone to start practice was instructive. You know, I don't know what was said behind closed doors last night or any of that stuff. But as soon as they got on the ice, you know, it was, bo- first of all, they got a chance to warm up and all that. But then it was bonus at the whiteboard. And he sounded like the instructor, the professor, the the teacher that we've seen throughout practices so often. And we've also seen a practice a whole bunch of times this year is when things go off the rails. If they do, if there needs to be a moment corrected, bonus gets loud like rock star loud. He can yell. The guy can absolutely yell. And you know what? There wasn't a lot of that today. I think he saw what he wanted to see because like I say, the pace was back. The pucks are moving crisply, all of that sort of stuff. 
maybe if it wasn't a, a return to form, at least in practice, um, we would have seen the angry bones come out. I didn't see that, at least during the drills, and I think it's because of the quality of play. At the same time, you know, you, you then go to talking to him after the fact, and I don't think he was in an awful hurry to open up any of the, well, you know, what went wrong the other night against Montreal. He just put the focus on Toronto. He wants that pace back. He mixed up the lines to try to get things going because the lines haven't been going. End of story, those are your answers kind of deal. Well, and, and, and I guess, I mean, do you expect the uh, game to start the way things look today in practice? And uh, I know we spent some time talking about Cole, Cole Perfetti, but I'm interested in what you think of uh, Wheeler moving up with Connor and Dubois and, and Shifley, Ehlers, and Barron, one combination we have not seen at any point this season. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell with Bonus because he has mixed up lines in practice before and then gone back to what looked like yeah. what things looked yeah. like in the game. And then as well, within games, he's mixed things up for like six, seven-minute stretches and then gone back to the original design. In this case, I think I'm a little more inclined to think that he's going to try what we saw today against Toronto, and I don't know what that is. It's just a feeling, so maybe I'm, maybe I'll be wrong about that. Um, but I think he really did want to make some folks uncomfortable and mix things up. And you know, if that's what we get, well, then you know, I guess I'll start with Shifley and Ehlers, who've played together early in the season. It looked like the chemistry was building between them and Kyle Connor. Morgan Barron will be asked to be more of a possession player, I guess. Comes without the offensive firepower. Um, ideally, is able to help them hold on to the puck and um, maybe even audition for that middle six job I was talking about earlier, where there's somebody who can spell Perfetti off at times um, in in advance of any trade deadline dealings that Winnipeg's able to do, or when Mason Appleton gets back, if that's able to give them some options they don't have right now. Um, up top, I think that Blake Wheeler is one of those players that when the team needs to play a different way, he can be counted on to do what the coach asks. So there was the stretch of play where Winnipeg, especially him, Shifley, and Perfetti, were overpassing, overpassing, overpassing. And I mean, there's an argument to be made. They've returned to that in, in recent games. But a couple of games ago, he comes out of the gate, and I think it was Pittsburgh, and he shoots from everywhere to start the game. And I think that that was a, you know, it was a situation where, Winnipeg knew what it needed. It was a message from the coaching staff. They wanted to simplify it. They wanted to get pucks at the net. And he's the sort of person that, you know, takes that role. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do it the way that we're supposed to for, for a while. Um, I guess that that's what I would just look for, the simple things on, on that line. Because Connor and Dubois can cook. And even if they had a, you know, a, a rough night the other night, I still believe that they'll continue to cook no matter who is on that right side. Remus and I were joking earlier. If you look at some of the real stinkers the Jets have played so far this season, there was the game in Minnesota with all the friends and family there. There was the Michigan homecoming. There was the Dubois homecoming. We may ban all friends and family from the game tomorrow, anywhere around the Winnipeg Jets, because you know there'll be plenty of them. That being said, all joking aside, um, this is always a big game. These teams have played some very fun, spirited games against each other. And I imagine that there's going to be quite a bit of hype around this game tomorrow night, considering the Jets one visit. There is the backstory with these games between these two clubs over the last couple seasons, but also the fact that, you know, despite last night's performance, the Jets right now, as we speak, are still tied for first in the central and the West. And obviously the Leafs are still putting up big numbers throughout the regular season and one of the top teams in the East. 
Well, I mean, one of the things you can point to in terms of the hype and the hype train is that, you know, this practice at the, I think it's called the Ford Center of Excellence. It was in Etobicoke, um, you know, a little ways outside downtown. And, you know, a lot of big guns were out. You know, a lot of Toronto media were out. You had the Chris Johnsons of the world. You had, you know, various different outlets represented. And their questions kind of went straight at the idea is, you know, how important is it to be the best Canadian team? Do you still hold on to some of that hatred from the Canadian division? And, you know, Rick Bonus did his best to dodge that. He said, well, I wasn't here during the Canadian division. <laughs> but there, there, is still, there is still that sense, right? And Winnipeg and Toronto have played some really tough, physical, skilled, injurious games where players have gotten hurt in, in recent times. Sometimes there have been fines, suspensions. I mean... There is, it's not, it's not just smoke with these two teams of late. And so there's a real sense, well, I guess I got a hotel call. I don't know if you can you hear that, uh, but there's a real sense that there is going to be some, some kind of uh, some in- intensity when, whenever they go to play, especially in the battle for being like Canada's best team. Did you order room service or something like that? Are they waiting to get, uh, get, get in, uh, making sure? Yeah, you know what? Sure the is, I just okay. had a time and meal for when we were wrapped up, but this is too soon. They were too fast. That's impossible. <laughs> well, listen, Rock, we'll let you, uh, we'll let you go on that. Thanks so much for doing this. And, um, as I said, tomorrow, I think, is going to be one of those real fun days for Jet fans. I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about the job that Rick Bonus does, and I lost it when I saw that he was sixth on whatever that poll was of, you know, the top coaches so far this year. Um, but listen, as I said, despite yesterday, this is a big opportunity for the Jets to, I think, announce to people outside of the market that haven't been paying attention to this hockey club that they are for real. And what better opportunity to get right back on it and get back to playing the way that they have been to get them to this lofty spot in the standings with all eyes on Toronto in a big uh, primetime game against the Maple Leafs. Hundred percent. It's Pride Night. It's like it's Pride Night. Well, I, geez, that's an even proper of uh, sides, but yeah. like it is for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, they play against the biggest markets, Montreal, and they threw up that game. Now Toronto, they better come. They better bring it for that game. And then you know, Saturday, I think part of Hockey Day in Canada, Winnipeg. Uh, you know, in terms of its reputation with Eastern media, has a lot to prove this week. I think. Yeah, well, uh, let's get it on tomorrow. We'll be all over it on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Looking forward to hearing all and reading all of your reporting from Toronto. And uh, are you on the rest of the trip? Are you just going to keep on rolling with the club through uh, throughout East? And uh, then where do we finish up in uh, Philly and Nashville next week? For me, I'm uh, in Canada. So I'm going to be off to Ottawa on Saturday. And then when the Jets peel down south, I get a couple of days with my family in Montreal before coming back to Winnipeg and when they return. Perfect. Well, we'll look forward to catching up again next week. Travel safely. Enjoy what should be a great atmosphere and a good one tomorrow night. And uh, obviously continue on out to Ottawa for a big Saturday night game. Thanks for doing this, pal. Thanks, Les. Great stuff. There's Murata Tesha at WPG Murat. Great stuff for practice today. You can uh, check out the lines as we've been talking about and more from there uh, on Murat's Twitter. And of course, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, what the heck are you waiting for? I saw somebody in chat saying, where is DQ Nick when we need him? I'll tell you where DQ Nick is. Um, DQ Nick's probably making some blizzards, maybe a burger for some of their loyal customers at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Uh, Listen, 12 months a year, the blizzard treat and all of its variations and flavors 
is the elite of the elite when it comes to ice cream and sweets. But it's not just ice cream. Um, they've got some of the best burgers in the game. My personal favorite, the Honey Barbecue Chicken Fingers. It's all there for you at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. And, hey, don't forget, if you've got an event, maybe a birthday party, a little gathering that you want to spice up, give them a shit. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They will custom make your ice cream cake or blizzard cake for you. And you got a quick and easy pickup at any of the four. Nick and Nikki DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, still got a couple days to enter for the Little Brown Jug and Bright Water prize pack through their Instagram promo. Head on over to Little Brown Jug Brewing on Insta to be eligible to win a $100 Little Brown Jug gift card, four cases of bright water, 24 cans of each flavor. By the way, great stuff. I got the mint lime. Oh, there you got the mint lime. And this is the raspberry lemon. I think uh, lemon, raspberry lemon's my, my number one favorite of the four. Uh, but you got the water. You got a tour of Little Brown Jug's brewery, uh, the LBJ's brewery. For you and five friends, everyone gets a beer flight and a tulip glass each. Not to mention a black little brown jug t-shirt and hat. All you got to do, head on over to their Instagram post. Remus is showing it right now. Uh, like the post, tag three friends, follow Little Brown Jug Brew Brewing and Bright Dot Water on Instagram, and you can share the post to your story for an extra entry. Oh, and here's a save the date for you folks. I know there's been a lot of talk. When are we doing another Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night? Had such a great time getting everyone together at the end of the summer. Well, lock it in. March 29th, Wednesday. No Jet game that day. We will do it up again. It'll be a little bit before we are uh, out with tickets. It'll probably be right at the start of the uh, month of March. Uh, but again, save the date. If you missed it last time, it was an incredible turnout, a hell of a fun time, and I'm already cooking up questions to bust your brains on March 29th over at Little Brown Jug. All right, let's get Remo in here and uh, quickly get to our cool bet lines before we finish it up tonight. Um, Remo, not as busy a night in the National Hockey League as last night for sure, but still five games and a few real interesting ones on the docket tonight as we look at the lines. And uh, certainly I think the game to watch tonight is out in Southern Alberta, the Colorado avalanche playing a little bit better, winning a couple in a row. They'll still three, six and one in their last 10 taken on the Calgary flames who are back from the road after falling short in Nashville a couple nights ago. Yeah. Colorado as we touched on before they've won a couple in a row. Um, Calgary, I mean, they had that big blown lead on the weekend to Dallas. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. It seems like they had the changes. They lost to Chuck and Gaudreau, and they really haven't found the, the lines that work. They keep tinkering with them. I thought they had something with Huberto and Kadri together, but he's been pretty quiet after a 100-point season. Good for him uh, for signing that huge contract uh, hustler. So that game, I think, will be interesting. I'm always interested in uh, what's going on with Vancouver. Uh, Jim Rutherford had this bizarre press conference where he admitted to talking with people about becoming the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks while still employing Bruce Boudreau. Has that ever happened? That was really odd to hear that. And they, they're unwilling to admit that they need to do a rebuild. All the players seemingly want out. 
Major I'm, surgery. He does say they need major yeah. surgery, but well, it is a retool, not a rebuild. Very important vernacular from the president of hockey operations. And the other thing, too, we didn't touch on, like Tanner Pearson needed surgery, and was it Quinn Hughes who said Quinn it Hughes. Wasn't, wasn't handled right, his injury? Yeah. and now That was news to everyone, though. That was news to all of them. They didn't know what he was talking about. Now they're having an investigation. Yeah, so a lot going on. And also with the Canucks, our friends at Sakaris and Price being denied their credential to cover the team and access to press conferences. Absolute uh, Bush League. And you know what? I, I will... And I know you'll echo this, um, yes. you know, hearing that because Matt contacted me and asked about our relationship with the Jets. And I said, they've been nothing but amazing to us since basically the day we all got whacked yes. from uh, from our former employer and have been incredibly supportive to the point where not only are we accredited, um, you know, we did the show down there for the home opener. I think we'll plan on doing some more things like that as we get into the stretch run and certainly closer to the playoffs. Uh, but um, both the, the Winnipeg Jets, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been amazing. And, um, you know, for guys that have spent so much time being the voices of sports in that market, Matt, Blake, Jeff Patterson, um, to not have season-long access is um, absolutely Bush League. And uh, I know there's been a ton of support for those guys after Jeff's post yesterday. Uh, and I certainly hope that that gets rectified very soon. Back to the lines, five games tonight. Pretty much a pick in between the Penguins, who have struggled as of late. They're taking on the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa minus 110 at home. Pitt minus 107. Uh, Bruins, obviously, they're favored big against everybody because they are the class of the National Hockey League right now. Boston minus 196. Islanders plus 164 in Long Island. That Colorado Flames game goes at 8.30 tonight. Colorado plus 120 on the road. Flames a minus 141 favorite. And the two games that I like tonight, Dallas and San Jose. Dallas coming off a 4-0 shutout of the Vegas Golden Knights. Goes to take on a Sharks team that has struggled so far this year, especially keeping the puck out of their own net. Dallas is minus 154 on the road. And I'm with you. I like Tampa as well. I've actually thrown that out for our play of the day on Cool Bet today. Uh, and I got the, oh, I was 161 earlier, one fifty plus 159 on just a two-game money line parlay with the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And while we're at it, let's just take a quick look at these season odds for the Stanley Cup. The Bruins, 6-1. to one, And it's amazing, Remo. People are still, or at least the odds makers, still believing in the Colorado Avalanche as the Avalanche plus 650, despite being on the outside looking in of the playoff run right now. And then three teams at 9-1, to one, Vegas, Carolina, and the team the Winnipeg Jets are going to be facing tomorrow night in the Toronto Maple Leafs. As far as the Central Division teams, let's take a quick look. Colorado's plus 650. They are the favorite. The Dallas Stars are at plus 1,800. Oh, and for the first time in a while, we've seen the Jets number go down. Again, started off 80-1 to one preseason, dropped to 50 was 40 for the majority of last week. And now maybe a few more people paying attention and getting on the Winnipeg Jets. They're now 33 to one to win the division. Uh, you got the St. Louis Blues at 90 to one. Predators 100 to one to win the cup. So it certainly does look like it's those top teams. Oh, the Minnesota Wild, by the way, 25 to one. So it's pretty clear there's that tier of those four teams of which the Jets still have the longest odds. And then 
you go down to the likes of St. Louis and Nashville, who uh, oddsmakers I don't think are very bullish on even being in the playoffs right now by what the numbers look like. Yeah, um, I see a lot of people online getting mad that Cool Bet doesn't respect the Jets. Well, if you're mad, they just go. If you think the numbers bad, thing. just go bet on them. Yeah, that's trust good. me. Cool. I'm not banging the drum. I, I'll do it with the other media when I go on other shows. Hey, pay attention to the Jets. The last thing I want is the bookies to wake up to the yeah. Winnipeg Jets um, and give us a, and keep giving us nice numbers on Winnipeg throughout the year. That being said, we thought we had a nice number last night, and, uh, well, we all know what happened. That being said, let's just quickly see. I guess the games for tomorrow aren't up we'll yet. check it. I will say that number in Nashville seems off 100 to 1. They're currently fourth in the Central ahead of Colorado and St. Louis, only by a and point. And UC Soros is playing out of yeah. his mind right now. That's the reason why they're there. Like, I don't think Nashville is going to win the Cup, but, like, they should be better than 100 to 1. They're for, I don't know about their forwards. Their goalie's playing awesome. I think their defense is solid. Uh, we haven't seen too much Nashville, Huss, against the Jets, hey? No, well, there was that wild game that ended up, uh, what was it, 2-1 in OT with the, mm-hmm. uh, with the KFC goal a few weeks ago. That was the same night as the uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless draft. Uh, and the yes. Jets are going to be in Nashville next Tuesday to finish up this road trip. I know a bunch of people from Winnipeg that are actually heading down to the game, so... Should be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but those are your NHL numbers for tonight. And a quick look at the NFL odds for the weekend. No real change today. Chiefs still eight and a half point favorites against the Jags in the early game on Saturday. Eagles Saturday night, seven and a half point favorites against their division rival, New York Giants. Uh, the game that I cannot wait to see. Bills, Bengals, we finally get it. A lot of concern about the Bengals' offensive line. That's the only reason I can think that Buffalo is still a five-point favorite in this game. And then the San Francisco 49ers in the shortest number of the week, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Dallas Cowboys. you got divisional round specials and NFL futures as well, all available for you. And lock shop today, Dusty and I got into uh, making our picks for the Amex. On the PGA Tour, if you do like sprinkling on golf, check that out. And uh, all the odds are up for the American Express. And, of course, the sleep schedule is getting screwed up because the uh, Aussie Open is back. I was up way too late last night watching Bianca Andreescu, unfortunately, lose. Big comeback win by Felix Oje Aliassime. Denis Shapovalov moving on as well. All the matchups for the uh, event that I believe will get going on uh, get going for tomorrow in, uh, in uh, Oz around 7, 7.30 our time. Uh, games are on TSN, and of course, all the odds are up at CoolBet. If you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. All right, Remo, we've made it through the show. Uh, we've made it through the chat, considering everything going on. I think we finished this show up on a lighter note, oh. and that is playing... Paul Maurice post game from last night. If you missed the game, folks, uh, Matt Murray gave up four on eight shots. Toronto stormed back to win an OT. There was a ton of controversial calls, and it was Pomo going head to head with his old pal Francis Saint Francois Saint Laurent, his arch rival when it comes to NHL officiating. Um, he talked about, well, he played the hits last night, talked about how they got forced out to the West Coast, and they've been traveling all over the place, and, of course, the officiating. Remo, I think you've got some of the best of Pomo from last night's loss in Toronto. Yeah, here's what he uh, thought about the game here. 
lots of energy, excitement, profanity would be the words. So we can't use most of them. Um, you know what? Proud of our guys here tonight. Like they flew us out to the West Coast, flew us back, flew us home, flew us up here and back to back us. And then they threw those two guys at us. I thought we hung in there pretty good. I'm proud of our group. There you go. Vintage, vintage Paul Maurice last night. I'm not sure whether Paul, I mean, I, listen, I'll fully, full disclosure. We always have fun with the old time zones and how much we saw that. I mean, Reem, he packed it all into one quote last night before later on saying, listen, all that stuff, the refereeing wasn't, has nothing to do with the players. It was because of an issue between myself and one of the guys that we all know who he was talking about. I have that clip too. We can play that one. So he goes, yeah, threw us up, threw us left, right, west coast, back here, home. Because I think they were out west. Then they went to Florida uh, for a game against the Canucks the other day. And now they're in Toronto. But, I mean, it's just great to hear him talk about travel oh, yeah, again. Yeah, it was exactly. awesome. God, God bless Bonus for not saying, well, you know, they flew us back to Winnipeg for one game. And then we're all the way out east and another time zone to play the Montreal Canadiens. No excuses last night. Jets just stunk. They'll need to be better. But uh, for everyone that remembers Pomo's rivalry with Francois St. Laurent, you got to play that one as well. No, I just explained to him. It had nothing to do with my players. It had to do with me and a relationship that I have with one of the referees. That's what that was all about. So just go out, keep your mouth shut, and play the game. Yeah, that is one of the great rivalries between a head coach and a ref in the National Hockey League. And it's been going on for a while. He was asked there about, yeah, what he was saying to his players. And he just said, there's nothing to do with you guys, me. And and I think it goes back. Okay, was it when Brian Little took a hit to the neck yes, in Tampa? in Tampa. And that was a pretty bad hit and should have been more punishment for that, if I recall. So I actually remember him blowing up at the guy, but I think there were a couple other dude. I think incidents. that goes back. I'm going to say that was like 2014, 2014 or 2015. I mean, we are talking way, way back and things have not co- cooled between the two. Okay. Uh, it seems. And, oh, uh, here let's. So he was fined 5,000 for, he got ejected 2016. He got ejected from the game. It was a 2016, okay, a little yeah. bit more recent, but still a pretty long time ago. Still, I mean, 2016 feels like yesterday, but that's like, let's see, 16, 17, 18. That's like almost seven years ago. It's 2023 now. I know. I'm still writing 2022 when I do uh, the show. Uh, so, oh, oh here, you got to change that. Oh, here's oh here's a video of him getting <laughs> oh, angry. For, oh, I found it oh, on Reddit. Oh my God! Just play it. Let's. It's a great way to finish. Uh, oh. Great way to finish up the program. Six years. A blast ago. from the past. Pomo versus Francois Saint Laurent. As this third period is about to get underway. Oh, he's coming out <laughs> without Brian Little, and it's going to be an interesting period of play. And here's my problem. <laughs> Paul Maurice just got tossed out of the game. Francois Saint Laurent got into a staring contest with Paul Maurice. Skate away. Oh, and that's it. The, the officials were looking for this. They put themselves in this situation. I got to tweet this out here, Hus. <laughs> Definitely. So now there's going to be a little delay as the linesmen are going to come over. So Paul Maurice. This is a lot of fun here. 
Anyone on podcast uh, can read his lips, wow. but uh, a lot of f bombs oh, coming here. It, it was. This is. Uh, it, it, I'll never forget that. And, and you know what? Hey, listen. I mean, I know things didn't end great, and uh, but that was at the time where Maurice was really building this team up to the team that went to the uh, conference finals in 2018, um, and it did galvanize this hockey club. And um, listen, I'll say this. No one more entertaining to watch freak out on the bench than Paul Maurice. And uh, that was a hell of oh. an example of exactly okay. that. Great stuff, Remo. Nicole for, wants uh, the video the from last night. And I did see the panth. I think I retweeted it too. It was so good. It's getting memes like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we we have to. Uh, let me find it. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Here, look at this one. Uh, so you don't even need sound for it. Watch. Watch. Which is not great for a uh, for a podcast. Oh yeah, not great. <laughs> there he is. He's like pointing. That that was the LeBron James Jr. Smith move. Yeah, yeah. Like Jr. What are you doing? It's right there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what. There was a lot of emotion and energy in that game last night, and there better be tomorrow when the Jets drop the puck against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to be all over it, uh, beginning at one o'clock central. We'll have the latest on uh, how things looked at the morning skate, some of the conversations around in the assembled media, um, and what we expect from both the Jets and the Maple Leafs tomorrow night. We're going to have one of the writers from The Score on who had a really good piece on Kyle Connor tomorrow on the show, uh, which will be great. Um, we're also going to have Scott Billick jump on. We'll have Brandon Rewicki, and I can't think of any better way to get hyped up for the game tomorrow and our guy from Bar Down, Jesse Pollock, jumping on around 2.30 in the final segment to get Jet fans ready to go for the big matchup tomorrow night yeah, in a Toronto. A lot of people fired about Jesse. We'll have to ask him about his experience at the skills competition here. I'm going to try to oh, dig yeah. some clips up about that man. He was pretty good and fastest skater. Uh, he had a really nice time. And it, actually, even nicer time for hardest hardest shot. Uh, yeah, like and a mini stick aficionado as well was playing mini sticks in downtown Toronto against yes. some um, just people walking on the street the other day. So it'll be a real fun show tomorrow all over Jets and Maple Leafs tomorrow night. In the meantime, folks, enjoy your evening. Thanks so much for being with us. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and where they can find us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you get the audio feed as well. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk on your favorite podcast feed. Big thanks to Dave Pagnotta, Rendog, Sean Reynolds, and of course, Murata Tesh and all of you for making us a part of your day. And a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every Monday to Friday here in the Peg. Have a good one. Jets, Leafs tomorrow. It's on. We'll see you at one on WST. Oh, my God. for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.